Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. All of the papers today, particularly the red tops, are dominated by colour shots from the beaches. A uh, buddy of mine, Kevin Down in uh, Yall, sent me two great shots uh, yesterday morning. An early shot from the beach in Yall, uh, the quiet before the storm, he called it. There wasn't a soul on the beach. It was probably, knowing him, about seven o'clock in the morning when he was strolling on the beach. And then by midday, it was <laughs> thronged. Same beach, big difference. Did you also notice other visitors to the beach these days? Jellyfish has to do with the warm weather, doesn't it? Everywhere, jellyfish. But yesterday, not just jellyfish, but dolphins and whales. Uh, I saw Christopher, is it Chris, Christopher O'Sullivan, the TD down west, isn't it? Posted a fantastic uh, video, obviously taken from the water of, of whales and a pot of dolphins and whatever. So, uh, papers this morning talk of it's officially a heat wave. Temperatures could reach, they're saying, 30 degrees this week, maybe in Athlone, because some of them are saying temperatures might feel as if it's 45 degrees in the sun. Uh, you can't beat the old red tops for flamming it up. They call it blowtorch temperatures. <laughs> it won't be 45, but I imagine they feel that it might feel like 25. But people got to strut their stuff at the weekend, and there's loads of photographs. The Examiner, the Echo, the Red Tops, all, um, you know, particularly the Cork beaches, lovely shots coming out of Kinsale where people were enjoying themselves. There's downsides to a heat wave. One is pets. Very hard, isn't it? If you have a dog out and about with you, like I did at the weekend, we had Jack out, but it's almost impossible uh, to get him to drink water. At uh, one stage, we were over in Dingle, and I got one of the old ashtrays that would have been normally used for fags, took the top off it, filled it in water, so it looked like a bowl, so he drank that. But it's impossible to get dogs to drink from your hand. Do you ever try and cup water into your hand and offer it to a dog? Or unless it's just my dog, you won't do it. But one trick they say is to wet the end of their paws, you know, the, the actual pads of the paws with water. Cools them down. And if you do that, you'll notice they stop panting pretty much. You also just throw them into the water or try and get them to go swimming if that's the thing. But also there's a, going to be a shortage of water and water levels are going to be a problem going forward but that's the way it is with heat waves and lots of water and uh, lots of sun um, the mail this morning says and I love to see upbeat stories on the front of pages because many of them now are talking about long COVID and worrying figures amongst the young the virus will be beaten is a headline story making the mail today it's a quote from the health minister Stephen Donnelly but in spite of that we'll kind of take it but as I say the Delta surge is the big fear as the country opens up to uh, foreign visitors I'll have some more on that in a, in a few minutes time but there's only 30 staff actually manning and answering the country's biggest phone line um, when I say the country's biggest phone line I imagine I'm I, I, don't think I'd be contradicted on that. It's the helpline call centre number for COVID. And they could get upwards of 30,000 calls a day. So how are they going to get 30 staff to man it? Uh, but there it is nonetheless. Um, and I will be going at the phone number if, for instance, you, um, like many of us, have still not got, well, I don't know how many of us, but those of us that still haven't got a digital COVID certificate, because that COVID certificate kicks in today. So I'll come back to that in a few minutes there's no point going through it because I'll only be repeating myself but Gardaí are closing in on, a th- on the thugs who are behind the abuse of phone calls. They say to two men, the chief medical officer Tony Houlihan and his deputy, but also uh, Fergal Bowers at RT, the RT health department, health correspondent says three of them have been getting calls. I don't know the, I don't know what the, con- I know the context of the calls they're threatening. I don't know the content of them. 
I believe some of them were like at three and four o'clock in the morning kind of stuff. But poor old Boris Johnson, it was it Piers, Piers Morgan said that uh, you can't take a man seriously who hasn't got the cop on to brush his hair in the morning. He claimed that um, Boris Johnson looks like Wurzel Gummidge. Um, and the backlash over the backtrack over Johnson, whether he would or wouldn't isolate, is dominating many of the UK papers. They rolled out some spokesperson at the weekend saying, oh, it's not necessary and everything will be fine and there's special protocol and we're testing and researching the, um, you know, the, the fact that the Prime Minister will be uh, in a, was a close contact with this one of the pilot programmes. So when you man get off the television backing up the government and backing up Johnson, Johnson made a complete U-turn on it. So that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, there are a lot of local stories making the papers today. Story we dealt with on the air in the past, of course, from uh, Harborview Road is the... Um, and there was another fatality on the road last year. It's like two kilometres long. Starts from Baker's, Baker's Road and runs all the way to Apple. And there's no traffic coming. So um, there was a concerned residence... Um, Picket, if you like, uh, a protest, if you like, at the weekend, and that dominates this morning's uh, this, this morning's echo. Um, and also, in an effort to big up the positives, we've got more and more gorgeous parks on Lee Side. Whether it's the Glen Valley Park, whether it's the new Tremor Valley Park, you can add into the mix now. Hall Boland Island's new amenity it was opened on Saturday. I haven't been there yet, but I've seen the photographs. And what a weekend to open the park. This, of course, was part of Irish Steel. Um, and, you know, they were dumping all sorts of questionable, toxic stuff on that. And it got cleared away. Wasn't there a thing called Chromium 6, apparently, at one stage that was being... They were even bringing other people's toxic waste into Ireland and dumping it there. So that's all cleared away and they've put in the most gorgeous park. Now, there's a lot of politicians are claiming this, including Micheál Martin and Michael McGrath was photographed in it as well. But if I were to pick one TD who really, really drove this front and centre, I think this is Simon Coveney's baby. I really do, because he's the one that's been pushing this for years. So it's good to see him having a... And I'll stroll through it at the weekend. Well worth checking out. I guess you go on on the bridge. Uh, who's been following the uh, Sinead O'Connor, Ian Bailey story? He said, she said, it really is handbags at this stage. Uh, and of course, um, she did the interview. It appeared in the Sunday Independent yesterday. Rather disappointed. I thought there'd be more to it. Um, I guess they just bigged it up an awful lot more. But um, she then decided to get out of Dodge because he had a lot of drink on board. Um, some of the criticism of Sinead O'Connor's interview is that journalists don't ply an interview guest with alcohol. I'm not so sure that it would have taken much encouragement, however. But I see on Twitter some people saying, you don't interview a drunk interviewee. Uh, um and I think there's a lot of sense in that, actually. You know, you probably say, we'll wait and we'll do it at another time. Uh, others might say, well, that's exactly the time that you interview somebody because you might find that might say something they mightn't say sober. But um, she apparently followed up. She got out of Dodge anyway, didn't want to meet him for dinner. Um, but she followed him up with a text later that day or sometime over the weekend. And she said to him, you're your own worst enemy. You need rehab more than any human being I've ever met. You dislike yourself so much that it's killing you. She asked him to go into rehab. Bailey said no. He said, um, and, and they use, obviously, the Amy Winehouse song, want to go to rehab, no, no, no. Um, he said, no, 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 Sinead is wrong. I've been under so much pressure in the last few weeks with the two documentaries, breaking up with my partner and trying to find a new place to live. But I'll get through this. One, one of the signs, of course, they say for people who are drinking uh, too much, and many of us can relate to this, is when you're coming up for re- with reasons as to why you're drinking too much. Um, even when those reasons aren't around, you find that you will still be 
uh, drinking too much. But the whole issue of Ian Bailey's drinking is something that he has to deal with himself. If he thinks it's not a problem, well, he ain't going to go to rehab. No, no, no. But I spoke last week about the dark tourism down west where people down in Skull, and lots more than just Skull, are fed up and furious that they're becoming the magnet of dark tourism. So I'm not going to spend much time on that because I dealt with that story last week, but the Irish Mail picks up on it today. Uh, mind you, Dermot O'Hearn, one of the former ministers under, I believe, a uh, Fianna Fáil government, correct me if I'm wrong there, some time ago, uh, he was down in West Cork a few times and he said, judging by what I saw... Ian Bailey is now appears to be the king of his own Cork Ballywick or Bailiwick, which means that he's the king of West Cork. And he said that everywhere I went on the three occasions that I was down West Cork, I bumped into Ian Bailey. Well, certainly if you go to the markets, you will, because that's what he does for a living. Um, then, of course, we have uh, another story regarding um, yet another one of the... Um, how do you how do you put this without being hurtful to the families? Very difficultly, because the uh, red tops don't hold back. They say the second suspected house raider, who was killed instantly following a horror collision with a truck, was described as a legend, and he was laid to rest during the weekend. Um, the guy involved was Graham Taylor. He was one of those driving the wrong way in the BMW with his two mates when they crashed into a lorry and burst into flames. I think they had to use DNA. But the tabloids go into just what kind of a legend... Um, Graham Taylor was a father of three convictions, including dangerous driving, burglary, handling stolen property, criminal damage, assault of a guard and slapped with a driving ban, a 40 year driving ban. More to the point, actually, is the story that makes the star today where they're wondering, how is the trucker they crashed into? Well, that lorry driver um, has been uh, discharged from hospital, apparently. Of course, mentally and psychologically, he'll have to deal with it for a long time to come but at least he's alive and walked out of the hospital, which is more can be said, um, which more can't be said for the amount of horses sent to the UK from Ireland. Did you know that 4,000 horses are slaughtered in Britain and Irish abattoirs in the last two years? Um, And some of them were grand national winners. Is there not something better that could be happened, that could be done or used or put out to pasture or something for successful racehorses, any racehorse, any kind of a horse, rather than just sending them to the knacker's yard when they're no longer, um, you know, able to win a race. And then the amount of dogs given up. I touched on this last week. I will come back to it. Apparently, a lot of people have got fed up with the dogs that they got during COVID. So that'll be a story on the air very soon. And um, if you thought that, um, you know, you would soon be in a bank where there's no tellers or a supermarket where there'd be no checkouts, not too far away. I know that Amazon and Google and all sorts of things are rolling out technology to allow that to happen. But Morrison's in the UK, according to the Times, and they've opened up a shop that has no tills. Imagine they have some kind of staff there so you don't rob the place. But there are no tills and you pick up your own groceries and you walk straight out. I guess you get pinged, which makes sense during a pandemic. And one final one for those of you that love your takeout coffees. How about a take-up coffee where the actual cup itself can be eaten? They're similar to the wafers you'd get in a 99 cone or what have you, except they are they can withstand the heat and they don't go soggy, soggy I should say. So you get the coffee, you enjoy it, 
and then you literally eat the cup. Mind you, as the coffee goes down, you could eat the cup along with drinking the coffee, if you get my meaning. So it's being rolled out in Yavin in County Meath. It won't be too long, I hope, before we see it on Side. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open at one 850 You can text 0868-104-106. Particularly if you like to share what you got up to for the weekend, of course. Beautiful weather and the outdoors. It would be great to hear some stories in that regard. If you have any calls, queries or issues regarding travel, because today, of course, is the day when people can leave the country without looking over your shoulder. And in the UK, it's an even bigger day because it is 100% freedom in the US and in the, in the UK. So I'll be coming back to that and hopefully in a position to answer many questions or queries you might have because uh, we have some people in the know lined up. But today, 19th of July, that's the day for travel. 26th of July, indoor hospitality. Here's, here's just a quick call, though, because I don't want to hold Louise up too long. Louise, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I was talking, talking, I was talking about dolphins, I was talking about whales, I was talking you about were? jellyfish. What do you see? I saw a turtle in the lock. And I was not drinking. Around 5, 5.30 Saturday, I was just strolling around waiting for the Chinese and there was a little turtle swimming around. Now, I tried to photograph it, but as soon as I got my phone out, he dived under. But it was oh, maybe six, eight inches. That's big enough now. It's a half a foot wide. Yeah. Um, it's you- obviously, as a pet, somebody dumped in. I've never, I mean, I live near the lock. I've been 60, 70 years walking around there. And I've never seen one. Okay, no. I, I remember touching on this story some years back, right? Do you remember when terrapins were all the rage? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose yeah. to a less, lesser extent, turtles, but certainly terrapins, the smaller ones, because of the ninja turtles and what have you. Yeah. Uh, no, were... I'm not sure it was a turtle, but it was a turtle-like. <laughs> what what, what no. happened was people got them, uh, didn't know how to handle them, mm-hmm. look after them. Kids got fed up with them. So they very quietly slipped them into the water, either at the lock or also at the Atlantic Pond, where I have seen them at the Atlantic Pond. The, oh. the, si- the yeah. size you described and even bigger. Yeah, I was just wondering, would it survive there? Yeah, they thrive. Like, if, if he's happy, that's fine, leave him be. <laughs> but uh, I've never in my life walking around there seen one. They do very well, apparently. Now, somebody at the time told me they might be a threat to other life there or whatever ecosystem exists. But, mm. And I don't know whether it's a cruel thing to do or not, but they, they do very well. They're growing there. Uh, how many there are, I don't know. Whether they're reproducing or mating, I have no idea. But that seems to be the reason how they got there. They didn't kind of swim in from somewhere else, like... No, obviously, I, presu- I obviously presumed he was dumped there and I was just afraid that he would, if he'll survive, that's great. Better than having him locked in a cage at home. But I just was stunned, couldn't believe it. Came home and told them at home and they thought, she's gone crazy. No, you're not gone crazy. Part. No, 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 you're not gone crazy whatsoever. Although I hadn't heard of it in the lock, but I certainly had at the Atlantic Pond. But it makes perfect yes. sense if they're in one, they're also in the other. Do you know what I also saw yesterday, just scooting across a path down in Balance Skellig's Beach, was a, a gecko, a small little lizard. Are they native? Oh, Are they yes. native to us? No, I've seen them in Italy a yeah, lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. So hot, maybe. Maybe. And lots and lots of jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing them all right now, even. Yeah, they're everywhere. 
Well, there you go. Even this inland near Cove and the inlets and everywhere. Right there. up the harbour. Yeah, right up the harbour. But I don't yeah. think that the, oh. I don't think that the men of war ones. So you have nothing to worry there. But listen, appreciate you picking up the phone. Turtles. So my little turtle is safe. <laughs> they say. I mean, they say that they're thriving there. They say it's fine. Brilliant. Yeah. Lovely. Cheers, okay, Louise. Neil, Take care. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye. Big, anyway, uh, text 0868104106. If I'm misreading it, I'd love to hear. Just ahead of the ad breaks, a big day today for international travel and the restrictions on non-essential international travel ease from today. So it is now possible from this morning to travel to Ireland from countries within the EU, from Ireland to countries within the EU, also to Iceland, Liechtenstein, Norway and Switzerland, with no need to quarantine. Quarantine if you've been fully vaccinated, have recovered from COVID-19 or have had a negative PCR test within 72 hours of arrival. Now, I will come back to that, um, you know, the different options involved in travel, particularly the one with the PCR test a little later on. But it's a big day at Cork Airport and I know uh, that uh, a lot of flights are going in and out uh, of Cork Airport and Seamus Whelan is driving there to see if there's uh, much activity above there. But Kevin Cullinan is head of, communication, head, head of communications at the airport and he joins me by phone. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So congratulations after God knows 16 months. Um, this week's going to be the busiest week in Pretty much two years, they're saying. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're coming off a very low base, but um, today is, it's, it's it's palpable, the excitement, not just from staff, but passengers, because uh, everyone really appreciates that we're reopening the country again for, for international connectivity. So, you know, we'll see passenger numbers today of around 1,100 which would have been around about five, six hundred last week. So it's essentially a doubling. But when you think ordinarily uh, on a Monday in July, pre-COVID, we'd have a 10,000 plus passengers God, this time of year. Amazing, so, um, 10,000 you know, to 1,100. We're, we're still, you know, 90% down where we would normally be. But um, look, it's great that to see passengers coming back uh, and the, the advent of the digital COVID cert, albeit that Ireland has come last to the party, mm. uh, is is welcome at this stage. Off the top of your head, where are you flying to today out of Cork? Well, we've reconnected all of the major European hubs now. So obviously Heathrow um, continued to operate right through the pandemic. And then it was, and then we had Amsterdam um, join us with KLM last August. And now we have uh, Air France back to Paris. Swiss started back to Zurich the weekend. Uh, this morning, Aer Lingus flew to uh, Palma, Mallorca for the first time. So some of the sun destinations are starting to um, appear back. Um, Ryanair's had another four sun destinations from now till um, the end of August because um, the airlines are seeing uh, a lot of searches online for, for last-minute breaks now that people are fully vaccinated uh, and that children under 12 um, don't need to, to have a PCR test either. Um, so the, the rules and regulations have changed as of Friday night and obviously with the the digital COVID start kicking in today. Um, people are deciding, um, even though obviously the weather has been phenomenal in Cork over the weekend and is set to continue until Friday, people I think after a year and a half are saying, look, we, we might just take that, that well-earned break or, or, yeah. or head over to the UK and visit family and friends that we haven't that, seen for um, some time now. You know, that, you know that Palma flight that goes out at uh, 10 past 11 this morning, I think? It's an Aer Lingus flight. Is that busy? Um, we don't actually see the, the load factors, but what we're hearing from the airlines, um, about about 60% of the seats are being sold on flights at the moment. Uh, now, normally this time of year, it would be in the high 90s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
the, the flights that are operating have less passengers than normal. And would you say um, it's the same because there's a there's a Faro Faro flight to Portugal? There's a Malaga today as well. Yeah, they're all picking up, and, and I suppose what's given the airlines confidence to reinstate those routes um, has been the fact that they're they've been seeing so many people um, going onto their websites, making inquiries, uh, making bookings. Um, and that's obviously been a, a kickstart to, to, to reconnecting people to those destinations again. So, you know, we had two routes back in January, we're up to 20 today now um, with six airline partners. So there, there's plenty of options um, right, right throughout the summer while the, the, the kids are off school. And how often would, say, those sun flights go out of Cork Airport? Um Normally, you know, some of those destinations would be daily this time of year. So what you're seeing now is maybe a twice weekly or three times weekly frequency. And it's just because the demand has been so stymied by the pandemic. And, you know, the fact that, you know, essentially the government restriction uh, was only allowing essential travel up until today. Um, People obviously probably decided earlier in the year they were doing a staycation this year rather than traveling abroad because the rules, as we know, were just changing every other day, if not uh, every day. So, um, um, but look, now that we have at least uh, clarity um, from government um, with the reopening today, uh, that's given the airlines more confidence and people have the confidence to book again. And everyone knows that everyone traveling now is probably um, double vaccinated. Um, they've, you know, if not, they've had a PCR test or they've recovered um, from COVID. Um, and the airports and the staff uh, are actually... obviously adhering to all of the, the the, the best protocols and safety and well-being standards. I'll come to that in a second, but actually anybody can fly, can't they? Whether you've had COVID or whether you have uh, proof of vaccination, anyone can fly as long as you get, as long as you self-isolate for like three days and get a PCR test when you come back, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the digital COVID cert probably makes travel within Europe a lot easier now. It's it's not it's not mandatory for travel, but it does make it a lot easier. Uh, and the Department of Foreign Affairs have an excellent website, dfa.ie, where you have a little drop-down menu in there, and you can put up over 200 destinations around the globe, and it'll let you know exactly what the specific requirements for that destination are if you're flying there. Um, because, again, there are figuries around, you know, what different countries and out, outside of Ireland um, are stipulating that you have to, to do before you fly there. Um, but at, at least we now have clarity for people when they're returning or flying into Ireland as to what the expectations are. Now, um, I did read somewhere this morning that only travellers can actually physically go into the airport. Is that right? Well, that's been the case. Throughout the pandemic, we, we were uh, advising that only passengers with a valid boarding pass should be entering the terminal. And that's to, to keep the numbers in the buildings limited and, and so we can, you know, maintain good social distancing within the terminal. So, um, obviously, if people need to accompany somebody going into the terminal, um, that's obviously where we're applying common sense. So, if somebody needs extra assistance or if they have mobility issues, we've always been um, facilitating that. But uh, it's just, to, you know... To, again, keep up the, the, the level of protocols uh, and safety and well-being um, standards that, that have been applied over the duration of the pandemic. Because as we know from the case numbers last week, COVID hasn't gone away yet. Um, so we, we just still need to be very vigilant that we keep you know the physical distancing. And obviously we've we maintained all of those hand sanitization. Yes, and face and masks indoors and face masks all on of, all flights and everything. All of that still applies. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously sanitation stations and things like that. Are all, are all staff back then? Um, 
but all staff that, that work for, for the airport operating company, DAA at Cork, uh, are still working away. Um, staff in a lot of the concessions, a lot of the food and beverage outlets have not yet reopened. Um, the Bank of Ireland branch closed during the pandemic. The foreign exchange kiosk is closed. Um, car hire desks are still open. They've, they, they've, they've still operated right throughout the last 16 months. So uh, it is a quieter airport in terms of that. So um, our own retail shop, The Loop, is open uh, and fully staffed and stocked. Um, so people just need to be prepared for that. Um, and again, there's, there's a little bit more preparation required even before you book a flight these days to know exactly where you're flying to, what the restrictions are. And again, because the airline staff have to do a little bit more checking of your documentation, we're just saying to people, look, plan to arrive at the airport at least 90 minutes before your flight. Give you that, give yourself that little extra bit of time um, that you're comfortable with. Um, as I say, there's only you know 1,100 people flying to a terminal that would normally be catering for 10,000. Um, so it won't be overtaxing, but just, you know. What, what is the protocol, let's say, for instance, if somebody has their COVID travel certificate? Is that scanned? Is the QR checked or, or what? Yes, yeah, so... so and, and that's why, you know, on, on, on your return, that's why um, immigration are only having to do a spot check of those because the airline staff are checking all passengers uh, at check-in uh, and at the departure gate uh, before people board the flight to make sure that they have their documentation in hand. And then when people return, given that the airline staff will have done that at the far end when they come into Cork Airport, um, there'll be a spot check done on, on that type of Because it's assumed that it will be done on the uh, away leg coming home. Correct. Yeah. The onus has been put on the airline. Let's say somebody that. that's waiting for, let's say somebody, an example in their 40s who's been vaccinated recently and they're waiting 14 days after the second vaccine. You know, there's that 14 day period. Um they don't have the passport or they maybe or if they have their vaccine passport already, can can they fly within they the 14 can, days? They, they can't fly. And I think the airlines have been taking, you know, if people have their vaccination card with the, the two stamps um, to say that they have been vaccinated. The, the airlines um, are being, you know, applying a bit of common sense and being prudent here. Um, so, again, again, you just need to be careful and mindful of what might be at the other end where you're flying to um, they may be more strict so again as I say best to check out what the specific So that card with the two vaccine serial numbers on it may not be enough overseas It may not be enough correct it may not be and enough. say within the 14 days after the second vaccine and you have the vaccine passport but it takes 14 days for it to be activated mm. does that mean that the passport the QR would be rejected in the first 14 days? I think the, I think my understanding is that the the COVID cert isn't issued until that has until that gestation period has expired. So, but once you have, if you have, if you have your DCC with the QR code, and um, that's essentially your additional license to travel at the moment within the EU. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so um, nervous anticipation then, I suppose, excitement. Excitement, a great buzz around the, the airport today. You know, we've missed our passengers, uh, our airline partners have missed them, our concessionaires have missed them. So uh, as our new TV ad, which broke yesterday uh, uh, on various news channels, uh, says, you know, when people are ready, we're ready to welcome them back. OK, well, I'm delighted that it's uh, good news. And here's hoping that it doesn't flip back again. We'll have to wait and see, but upwards and onwards, quite literally. Mind yourself, Kevin, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, be flights to Palma, Mallorca, Faro, Faro. I pronounce that wrong all of the time. In Portugal, Malaga today with their lingus, and Mallorca all taken off across today. And other ones, I mean, I was going to say slightly more boring. <laughs>
They're not necessarily boring. I wouldn't call them sun destinations, but going into France uh, with Air France and London with British Airways, Air Lingus with British Airways, Ryanair back into Stansted and stuff like that, and all of the Heathrow ones and things like that. And as I say from today, those sun destinations. Seamus Whelan's travelling to the airport, so we'll check in with him back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yeah, I know. Somebody's saying, and correctly so, Malta, which is a great spot, actually. If you've never been there, it's well worth the trip. Malta will only take fully vaccinated people. People should be aware that negative tests won't do. Yes, indeed, that is the case. And also, very interestingly, passengers arriving from the U.S., will no longer be having to uh, isolate, self-isolate on arrival. They must just have valid proof of vaccination or that they've covered, recovered from uh, COVID-19. I know some uh, Irish people living and working in America are travelling home this week and some are coming home to Cork. Um, and all they need is their valid proof of vaccination. Whereas going the other way, us wanting to go to the US... You're not welcome, um, unless that changes sometime soon. So lines open at one 104 106 So somebody who'd be right front and centre, quite literally, right? And all of this would be a pilot up in the cockpit, obviously. Simon Carruthers is a pilot with Aer Lingus, and he's also the cork rep of the Airline Pilots Association. Simon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? Good. Thanks for taking the call. Exciting day then. I mean, I know that you guys have been flying some routes to, certainly, was it Heathrow a couple of times a week? Uh, yeah, things did get very quiet for us, obviously, over the last uh, 12 or 15 months. But uh, yeah, over, over the winter time, the, the quietest that got in Cork was uh, uh, one flight per day, two days a week uh, to Heathrow. And that's all we've been doing. I, I actually just checked my record books for myself there, for my, my flight records. The last time I flew to anywhere else apart from Heathrow was actually in the middle of September 2020, so 10 months ago. So wow. um, it's certainly been very different. Um, but as, as you say, from today, um, we get to start again. Hopefully, and uh, speaking for ourselves, uh, I, I work, for, I, I fly for Aer Lingus. I represent uh, the Cork people in, in the Irish Island Pilots Association, and uh, Aer Lingus are restarting some of the sun destinations today. We just had somebody on from the, the airport authority talking about all the routes that are coming back, which is it's good to see. As Will start. you be flying any of those? I wonder, Simon, to a, a Mediterranean destination. I am actually scheduled as we speak, uh, uh, Neil, to be flying my first uh, flight down to Farwin on the Algarve uh, next Sunday, the 25th. So that's, that's, that's my next scheduled flight outside of, uh, outside of uh, a flight to Heathrow for quite a long so time. So you're excited so I, about it, that? I, I am. It's good to be. It's, it's good to see. I mean, obviously, we we kind of took it for granted at work that we would be we'd be going to work and we'd be flying wherever our network took us. And then, obviously, circumstances of the last the last fifteen or eighteen months or so have dictated that uh, that route network has been drastically uh, curtailed. So, um, it, it is good to be to get getting back to work definitely and get to get to do something which is uh, what, what what we're paid to do is the day job, obviously. So, and you don't have any idea what those loads would be like, but people and families say out of car going on holidays. Right now, I don't I don't know exactly what the loads are like. Um, I, I believe that there's been a little bit of um, a little bit of confusion over some of the guidelines with regards children, to children, for instance. Certificates, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's certainly the, the the government's guidelines, the government's information certainly has been uh, a little bit mixed and a little bit. Um, there's been gaps in it up until certainly the last few days. Um, children now have been, it's been confirmed by the government um, in the last couple of days that uh, that under 12 year olds, uh, children up to 11, if they're travelling with vaccinated parents, uh, don't have to uh, be tested to travel no. uh, or to arrive back into Ireland in particular. I think uh, your previous uh, guest there made the point that the, the requirements for travelling 
out of Ireland could be different from travel, the requirements coming back into Ireland. So as with regards to travelling into Ireland, for any Irish people travelling to see family or to go on holiday and then come home again, the restrictions coming into Ireland are set by the Irish government, obviously, with, within the European Digital Certificate. And other countries may have slightly different requirements. So, um, yeah, it's great to see that there's been clarification given for well, those what is the clarification the if there's a family want to go to Spain, for instance, or Italy or, or Greece or what have you, with children who are under 18? Well, under 18, um, it depends whether the children are under 12 or under 18. Uh, under 12 children do not need to test uh, to return to Ireland. They do not need to um, isolate uh, returning to Ireland if they're travelling with fully vaccinated parents. Um, children who are 12 to 18 years old uh, do still have to uh, obtain a negative PCR test result before coming back to Ireland as it stands at the moment. Um, so th- th- that, that kind of issue, th- there was a big question mark about whether what, what was going on with those. So at least now the under 12s have been told, look, if families have younger children, they don't have to put them through a testing process uh, to come back to Ireland. If the parents are fully vaccinated, the younger children can travel with them with no testing. The slightly older children, 12 years and above, will have to be tested still as it is currently. Gotcha. Stands. And what, what will it be like on, on board? Because people will still have to wear masks, right? So will there be a trolley? Yeah. Will people be able to eat or have a drink or do anything like that? Uh, do, the, the people will be able to, uh, they will have to wear their masks. The, the, the procedures remaining much the same as they have been throughout the entire um, pandemic so far is that mask wearing, mask wearing will be required on board the aircraft and uh, people will only be able to take off their masks if they are uh, taking you know, some uh, liquid or having a drink or having a quick bite eat or something. Otherwise, it's masks on all the time. So from that perspective, there are the, the, the rules and regulations that have been put in place to, to make aviation as safe as possible over mm. over the last 12 months will remain in place. But, forgive uh, me, Simon, but surely as sense. safe as possible would be, would be no food, no drink, masks <laughs> on for the whole flight, no? <laughs> well, it would be. And to, to be honest, the, the service that's being provided by the airlines is, is drastically reduced compared to what it was before on, on the shorter flights. There's, 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 there's very little service provided. But um, obviously, uh, on a flight down to Spain, it's, it's a couple of hours uh, time down to Spain or Portugal or some of the other flights that are on there at the minute. So it's obviously accepted that somebody might have to have a drink from a, a bottle of water or something out there at some point. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the same widespread service of food and drink which was previously available. Yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but yeah. What, you, what we don't want, of course, is for things to, you know, stumble along for a couple of weeks and shut down again. Do you, do you, do you guys look at, say, France? Are you looking at the worries in the UK? Numbers are, are going upwards. Um, does, does that concern you? Well, there's obviously a concern in, in, in terms of um, there are... Uh, widespread media coverage and you know, governments are talking about uh, the so-called Delta variant and so on and so forth. But I think we, we, we seem to have reached the stage, the evidence that's coming out of the countries which have had um, the Delta variant for, for longer periods of time. I mean, the, the Delta variant's been in the UK for nearly four months now, certainly three and a half months, and they obviously have a certain number of cases at the moment. But there's also, because of that length of time, there's, there's also evidence to show that there's, there's a definite... Uh, disconnect, a different break between the number of cases and the number of serious illnesses uh, compared to what we saw pre-vaccination. Um, uh, say back in the wave we had in, in, uh, in January, there was a statistic came out with uh, the UK uh, medical authorities uh, in the last week or so showing that in the wave they had in January, for every one case, sorry, for every 60 cases they had, 
they had one person unfortunately passed away. Mm. Whereas now that number is more like the number is over a thousand cases mm. for 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 very because serious so many are vaccinated and the vaccination yeah, is working. The, va- the vaccination made such a big difference, and it's meant that the, 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 generally speaking, the people who are testing positive these days and are are younger and statistically therefore less likely to be seriously impacted. So that's all having a knock-on effect. Do we have enough planes here though? Did I hear that a lot of the planes that normally would have been in Ireland were moved to the UK um, and possibly were re-registered as English and, and won't come back? Well, there there have been um, a couple of airplanes from um, from different uh, airlines that flew out of Ireland who have moved to different bases around around Europe. Uh, Ryanair have moved a few airplanes around to, to places where they, they have business they can see uh, uh, the opportunities for. Um, cause I say today is the first day that the, the digital certificate has gone live, as, as you like, from Ireland. Other countries in Europe have been more active since June and since the start of July. Um, but there, there are a couple of airplanes have moved. Now, in terms of the overall size of the fleet, say in Aer Lingus, the number of aircraft that have moved to the new base that's due to start in, in the UK in the next few months. Um, is relatively small, okay. but it, it is three. It is three or four aircrafts which were previously available to fly in and out of Ireland are now going to be based in the UK. But in terms of the size of the the operation we have planned for the, for the next few months, it's certainly we have plenty of airplanes to do. What, what and I and I hear do. as well that uh, the airlines are are hiring pilots. Is that right? Uh, there are airlines around the world who are starting to rehire pilots again. Yes, um, there's been a, a faster. Uh, pick up of business in certain parts of the world uh, because of the size of certain countries the United States for example because it's such a large country and so diverse and such a large population they have a very large domestic aviation market no, but I thought is, I read is, somewhere is, is last week that either Aer Lingus or Ryanair here were, were hiring or looking to hire I, I haven't had confirmation of that myself yeah. I, I'll be honest Neil um, I, 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 Ryanair I, I think actually, I think Ryanair were I think it's Ryanair I I, I don't think Aer Lingus are as of now. I, I as I say, I, I wouldn't like to comment one way or the other. Is it is it a I, career? I is it a career that. that you would you would encourage people to to to, to learn or to to train in? I, I, I think it's a fantastic career. I, I think at the moment it's, it's obviously a career which has its challenges, uh, but it's that's been the case all the way through uh, my time in aviation. I've been in aviation since the late nineties, and it was obviously nine eleven and the downturn we had ten years ago with the, the so-called credit crunch and all that kind of stuff. So. It's like a lot of businesses, it has its ups and its downs. This is a very much a very serious down at the moment, but I think will, things will come back. Things are start, hopefully start to come back from today, and it will become a, a job which is, is is very, very popular and very good to do again. And mm. It's just a very quiet at the moment. And when you go to Pharaoh, say, for instance, do you have to, do you just fly straight back or do you get some downtime in the sun or what, what, how does that work? Uh, we, well, we basically get enough downtime to refuel the aircraft, make sure that it's clean for the for the passengers boarding for the return flight. So normally, it's it's a, it's a time gap of depending on the, the the airline and the specific route we're operating to, somewhere between say thirty minutes and an hour on the ground uh, between landing and, and take off again. So it's it's quite a busy period of time for us, and that we you know we disembark the passengers and then fuel the aircraft and. So you don't get to go to a hotel for two nights and lounge by the pool and then take the flight back? Unfortunately, that would be a very nice uh, nice thing to look forward to, going to work every day. But no, uh, certainly certainly flying around Europe, it tends to very much uh, be more... uh, out and back, out and, back. and finish, finish the day back back at home that's the plan anyway so. alright well listen delighted to catch up with you again 
under happier and more optimistic times. Appreciate you taking the call, Simon. Thank you. No problem, Nate. Thanks so much. Cheers, Simon Carruthers. You better believe it. Thank you, Simon Carruthers with uh, Aer Lingus. Lines open 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. As to say, Seamus is at uh, Cork Airport. More on that a little later this morning. But Owen Curry has Air and Travel Magazine and you should be following him on Facebook. He joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Uh, oh, hang on a second. I'm being so sorry. Owen, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Hello? Owen, yeah. excellent. Okay. Listen, do you, are, you, are you optimistic that this is a, a good day, a good thing, and this is the right thing to be doing, opening up? I don't mean to be the doomsayer here, but, um, you know, are we quietly confident that this is the right thing to be doing? Without question, everybody else has done it two weeks ago. It's worked really well right across Europe. Uh, we've got a long way to go. We're still the most disconnected country of the 40 in Europe. And uh, the airports that, uh, you know, the, we can now travel legally, but the airport, the airport capacity is below 30%. Amsterdam will be running at 80% today. Uh, Istanbul will be running around 92%. And Athens, somewhere in between. Uh, it's beginning, uh, it's, it's a reopening, but it's really only legalizing it. And there's been a lot of foot dragging, uh, not just, you know, contradictory, two contradictory pages on the government website on that information that Simon touched on that you no longer need uh, to a PCR test arriving from the UK or from the USA. Uh, the children under uh, 12 no longer need to test. All of that has been updated on one side of the government while people looking in from abroad are getting confusing information still. And of course, uh, there's been a narrative of talking up of the problems uh, there aren't the enormity of the problems uh, that have been talked up, certainly over the weekend. Yeah, but hold on a second. I mean, Spain or regions of Spain have reintroduced curfews, haven't they? And uh, th- 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 that's a worry, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a, a rising rate. We're the sixth highest in Europe ourselves. Uh, Spain is higher than us, uh, uh, and Portugal is higher than us, and Cyprus is higher. Of the holiday destinations, Italy and Croatia are very low. Um, but they... Uh, Sort of re- the regional lockdowns that we're talking about are things like the closing of nightclubs, uh, the uh, outdoor dining, and indeed indoor dining has been prevalent in Spain throughout Spain since the beginning of April. And when the uh, the sort of uh, regional updates that we get, we saw over the weekend in places like Catalonia, uh, they have related to measures that haven't even started to open in Ireland yet. The experience when you get to all these holiday uh, resorts is going to be different and the experience of getting there is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable with your mask through the airport and your mask on board the aircraft. There's uh, different air, uh, airline issues as well. One of our major airlines wants you to bring bags on board. That's Ryanair. The other one, Aer Lingus, wants you to uh, not to bring cabin bags on board. So there are all those uh, issues to be navigated. But the real problem issues about health have all been covered under the digital COVID certificate. That's what's happening today. That's what the rest of Europe did two weeks ago, and we're finally uh, uh, coming along. With and them. those that don't have the COVID cert, but do have the um, piece of cardboard with the two vaccination serial numbers, will that suffice? 
it has been sufficing if not legislated for but uh, airlines have been letting you on board and uh, countries have been admitting Irish people I think across Europe there's a realisation uh, that we ran into problems introducing it Romania by the way ran into a few problems as well the others all seem to have got it through that we're a bit slower but then, you know uh, we can, you can talk up that but uh, the rollout of the, uh, the digital COVID certificate uh, since Tuesday has been phenomenal and they well let's let's cut it to the chase here the people who can travel unrestricted today are those who've been through their full course of vaccination plus 14 days and children up to the age of 12 the bit in the middle still needs tests but there's convergence on that as well antigen test outbound it costs 45 euro it's about half the price of a PCR test and the PCR test on return they tend to be cheaper abroad than they are available in Ireland so a a family would probably come of a mix of under 12 the fully vaccinated and a few in the middle it's certainly a big improvement where we are So do you think that with international travel now from today and this day week indoor hospitality that it's inevitable that we're going to see cases go up 1179 yesterday mind you you know we're not looking at increases in hospitals nor ICU that it's inevitable they'll go up um, but that we just have to live with that the convergence on international travel is that of between 1 and 2%. Uh, ours has been consistently below 1%. But that's uh, because we were the most disconnected. Now, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, there are vested interests and there are two, two of the most expensive PR companies uh, in Ireland have been hired. And some of what you uh, have heard over the weekend have been uh, numbers which are higher than what is the international average. Obviously, uh, people who... Uh, you know, speak on behalf of the health services and come up with figures. I saw figures 77% of cases were imported a little while ago. They, 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 it takes a while to chase down all of those claims, but they don't actually add up in, the, uh, in what's happening internationally. And we, that is the... Is it one in 10 the, is the figure, is it? <laughs> well, we had a one in 10 at the weekend, but it was, the international is, is less than 2%, one in 50 and that's what international travel has, uh, you know, that's what's been showing up in countries like Germany, like Sweden, like Britain, like the USA. You know, that in, all around the world, it hasn't been that different. If it went over 2% in some countries, there was an, uh, probably yeah, another underlying factor. Yeah but, it, yeah, but if you accept 1 in 10, say, in June, surely July it'll be higher and August will be higher Not again. 1 in 10 is the point. It's, it's, one, in, it's 1 in 50, uh, Neil. And if it goes up to uh, 2 in 50 or... Uh, you know, it's it's it, if it rises. Well, first of all, we've we've got one of the highest case rates in Europe. We're we're about, we were fourth. We're now about uh, about six or seven. A couple of countries overtook us last week. And second of all, we're the most disconnected. So it's highly unlikely. And, it, and the data the data debate and the data narrative you've had lots of it in your program, uh, as has everybody else. Yeah. It turns out to, into a, a nothing argument or a circular argument because people come on and say my data is better than yours. What I can say is that um, it has been probably uh, you know probably talked up. Figures have been thought and talked up uh, by the vested interests in Ireland. No, I know that, but because I'm just wondering, are we creating... A, is there, no, I'm just wondering if we're not creating a perfect storm that people would go on holidays, whether it's the 1 in 10, as the virologist was saying at the weekend, or 1 in 70, but, and they come back and then they go into indoor hospitality and that's how it spread. I, you know, same discussions we had as last year. Yeah, it is. It's a question that if, we, if it did work, we wouldn't have the rates yet. But what I would say is, it's not peer-reviewed international research 
language literature that's used in the argument in Plumas Travel. It's Durban Lunga, Durban Lay, and we have a fair bit of that going on at the moment. Okay, today's a big day. Bring it on. Um, do you think the loads will be heavy? Are there bargains out there? Are prices? Is there a seat set? Very good bargains. It's a fiver to Germany at the moment from Dublin. Um, the loads around uh, the, the Malaga flight this morning would be a good test from Aer Lingus, just over 60%. I think Aer Lingus's uh, load factors are running around 60 uh, for, through the summer for the advanced bookings. And uh, Ryanair is a bit higher because they've uh, been more aggressive in price, uh, over 70% in a lot of cases. Okay. The reality is the capacity is down. We've 128 flights out of Dublin today. We'd normally have more than 300. And I think 15... going through the airport, it would be over 100,000. I think 15. For, uh, a day in July and just finally, yeah. just very finally, because I'm over time here, when will America open up to Europe and the rest of the world? Uh, America's talking about it and we've got a very pro-Irish president, the most pro-Irish in 60 years. So likely to happen quickly. It's already uh, opened that they don't, vaccinated Americans, which are most Americans, don't need a uh, PCR test to come to Ireland. I'd expect it could be within days, Neil, but this is all guesswork because things change so fast in this COVID environment. You're the greatest as always, Owen. Thanks so much for taking the call, Owen Courier and Travel Magazine. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Some lovely photographs over the weekend. We were busy on Twitter uh, over the weekend on my own Twitter page and some people were sending some great shots. Thank you, Pat. Sunset over Cork from Roaches Point in East Cork. Mind you, Pat reminds us all of Cork is great, really, and certainly extra beautiful. Great photograph, Pat, of the sunset over Cork from Roaches Point. Well taken. Another one, Ballon Colleague, says Aaron on my day out. Would you look at the colour of that sky? And then, of course, it's, uh, it's uh, mirrored in the in the river or the or the or the water down below, it's like a fantastic shot. Another couple of beauties here. Harold sent me a great photograph from Court Mac Sherry on a sun, on a sunny Saturday evening. My God, it's just absolutely glorious. And then, uh, of course, many people were out and about. Some of them were on the water. There's a beautiful photograph here um, of enjoying the sunshine. Is there anything more beautiful than the sight of Cork? Uh, or indeed the sight of cove from the water on a sunny Sunday morning. And it's just absolutely glorious. I mean, the only reason you'd say think that it was Cork or, or Ireland is St. Coleman's Cathedral. I mean, it looks absolutely magnificent. And then we had lots and lots of photographs from different beaches where people were wondering, is it actually Claycastle Beach or is this the Copacabana? And can I just mention one other related topic from this morning where, you know, there are turtles and grown ther- terrapins now in the lock and the Atlantic Pond because people literally uh, had enough of them and just uh, disposed of them there. And they're thriving. Apparently in America, they have a problem <coughs> with people getting rid of goldfish and they turn into giant goldfish, not just in the in the lakes, but also in the rivers and waterways. These are unwanted goldfish. They dump in ponds and lakes and they continue to grow uh, and they thrive. And the article that we were reading this morning um, has to do with goldfish the size of footballs, which makes them quite fat goldfish, doesn't it? Anyway, lines open at 1850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. And we had a lot of different topics going on on Friday with quite an amount of texts and what have you. Um, but for the day that's in it, right, because of the incredible weekend we had, I've had this song knocking around in my head since early this morning. In fact, every time we have a heat wave, this song pops into my head. So I have to share it with you so that it'll pop into your head and it'll drive you crazy all day. Um, but you need to celebrate the great weather. And if there's a heat wave, you got to find a song about it, don't you? <laughs> 
Dave blew into town last week. Who's that thermometer proves that she certainly can? She can, can. Yes, indeedy. There they go. The original Spice Girls. Andrew Sisters, we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. The temperature's rising, and it ain't surprising. We're having a heat wave. Yes, indeed. Uh, of course, it comes with precautions. You know about that, not just for you, but also for pets, particularly dogs. Read at the, I learned at the weekend from a fellow who just came up to me and told me that dogs can't sweat. Dogs can't sweat. I, I don't know whether he was claiming I was mistreating the dog or what, but actually, no, he was a lovely fellow. He really was. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. There's two different stories going on here, Colin. So one is the story involving yourself and the other is the story involving your son. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on this morning. It's always nice to talk to you. Nice one, kid. Good to talk to you again. So what's happening with your son? Well, first off, he's 14 today. So a big happy birthday to Padraig. Happy Delighted. birthday, Padraig. Yeah, and um, well, what's happening with him is that um, he, he's travelling to the USA tomorrow morning from Dublin to Philadelphia. <laughs> so he does the direct flight. So he's a US citizen, so he can go over there. And he travels on his own, does he? He does, yeah. You pay for a chaperone. American Airlines would be the only airline that actually do it from uh, Ireland. Uh, he sits just right by the, the station there where the, the, the air stewards are. And uh, you, you pay it's $150 each way for the chaperone and they mind him. So I take him to the gate. I sign off. The airplane takes off. And his aunt Fran in the States in Baltimore, Maryland will pick him up. That's right. And it works perfectly. My own son did it on a number of occasions. Yeah. More he's done it three times, Neil. Yeah. So, so does he, he's 14, does he need yeah. a PCR test or, or something like he that? Does, he does, yeah. I actually, uh, I, I uh, registered with a company called Rock Dock Health, which is a, an Irish company there. And uh, he done his PCR test yesterday at three o'clock up in Cork Airport, and it's twenty four hours. So I'm still waiting. You know, I've been checking my Rock Dock uh, login for the last three or four hours, but um, it's still pending. So it'll come so, up uh, negative, and tomorrow know, he'll and he'll fly. And what will happen on the other side then? Um, the other side, it's it's the other side. There's no problem. He's fine as long as he's got the negative PCR test gotcha. and his American passport. He's good to go. Yeah. And your own situation, you're travelling to Greece, I think, eh? I am. I'm taking my holiday as well. It's uh, you know, I, as you know, I'm, I'm a single dad and all that, so yeah. I, I need a break and all that. But uh, I'm travelling to Greece on uh, Wednesday morning on the Ryanair from Dublin to Athens, and uh, I'm fully vaccinated. Though um, I got my. But uh, why would you want to be doing that? I'm, if I remember correctly, you're in Kinsale. I am. You're, you are spot on. Yes, you're right. So, in the name of God, right. would you be losing, leaving beautiful Kinsale this week with the weather we're having? <laughs> I, because I need a holiday. I want to get away from myself. I, you know, I, I travel a lot. Neil. It's one of my things. You know, and I'm so looking forward to the break. I got, I got no holiday last year. Frankly, none. You know. <laughs> So I'm going to Greece, I'm going to do a little bit of, um, I, I'll stay away from Mykonos though, because that place looks a bit uh, dodgy right now. But Listen, uh, you know, we, yeah. I don't know if you travel solo, but I, I, I'll do the pub crawl on the first night, you get, get to meet and greet people and go on from there, you know? Yeah, because cause you have your, your digital cert now, do you? I don't, unfortunately. I only have what? my QR code. I got I got my um, vaccination in Boots uh, three weeks ago, the single dose. So... You know, I contacted them last week and, you know, they weren't able to give me an update. I, I did register with the HSE, so I am registered, but I haven't got my digital search yet. 
the thing about Greece, though, is that Greece, you just need a, an antigen test in actual fact. But hang on a second. I mean, f- forgive me, unless I'm stupid. Yeah. But how can you get a QR code without getting yeah. the digital cert? You see, I don't. I still haven't got anything. So I don't. I, yeah. I don't the only thing I can see is the photocopies I see online. But how yeah, do you have yeah. one without the other? That is a good question. I basically have the COVID nineteen vaccine Janssen lot, and there's a, there's a kind of um, a code on it. And I presume that if any government agency in Ireland anyone want to scan it, I would presume that it would come up there. I have the lot number and the batch number and the date given so that's just that's no that's, that's not a qr code though that's just a code for the vaccine dose yes that is correct no but you, i'm sure if if you put my details into the computer i am registered oh you know? no i know that you're you're but you're yeah. going with the with the little id card that says you've been vaccinated twice i certainly am yeah. uh, once i got one jab uh, Neil. yeah i am but you know um oh, you've, yeah you got the single jab. you actually don't have a qr code nor a digital cert you I, have I proof of vaccination that's different and yeah. you know your gentleman there on the on the radio this morning kevin uh, you know he was very very informative there this morning um you know he talked a lot about maybe a bit of common sense you know as long as i think things are you've got your t's crossed you're pretty well organized i think um, i'm good to go i mean there is a chance you get refused there is but um, you know, if you're going to procrastinate about it, you'll never go anywhere. You know. And uh, have you have you an itinerary in Greece? Or are you just going to play um, it by ear? I, I I do. I'm kind of. I, I do. Um, I do a ceramic uh, uh, golf cruise on the third day I'm there. So um, that's kind of a that takes in three islands. Um, and you know, basically, sure, when you travel solo, you can get up when you want. You can go what you want. You know, it's kind of um, it's it's nice. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll probably. Uh, I probably do a, do the pub crawl on the first side, like I thought, like I said, and uh, just do a bit of sightseeing. I love, you know, Athens would be one of the, I think maybe the third oldest city in the world. I love Athens. I, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, I haven't been to Greece as a country, so I'm looking forward to it to visit for the first time. You know. Okay. Well, uh, good luck to you. Good luck to your son. Off on his adventure to America, to visiting his grandparents who were in their nineties. Yeah. So that's he won't have seen those yeah. in a while. Yeah, Teddy is ninety four his grandfather and Maggie is 84 and you know they're pushing on and he didn't see them last year and I'd be honest with you his family in the States really take care of him so he's looking forward to seeing them you know I haven't seen them uh, in a few years myself because I decided not to travel to the US but uh, there is a wedding next year in October Uh, one of the, the nieces is getting married and I think I'll travel over for that. All right, well, please, God. So will you, are you free to take a call at the back end of the week to let us know how, you say, for instance, Friday, you'll have been two days into your holiday then? Um, listen, if I'm still alive, yes, I would. I would love to I'd give you an update and tell you how I get on. I, um, that's, that's not a problem. I would be free. The WhatsApp will work everywhere as long as your wife is. Fantastic. Sure okay. Well, yeah, let, sure. let's do that. Just um, <laughs> give, me, give me a text maybe early Friday morning, say that you're good to go, and then we can pick up on the call. Listen, you're very kind, and I certainly do that. And right, have a wonderful day yourself. Cheers, my man. As always, I uh, love to catch up with people who are regular listeners. Colin's off to Greece, and his son is off to Philly. Back after the break, text to 868 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 Red FM. And uh, the city is far from as carefree and happy as we might think by night as it is by day. A lot of other action at the weekend that leaves a lot to be desired. Texter, he says there was a 
load of trouble on the Grand Parade on Saturday night. There were gang fights yet again. It's a disgrace. They were nearly on top of moving cars in traffic, this kind of fighting. And then, of course, there was sent some video footage from Kennedy Key on Saturday night. I didn't see any of the video footage from Grand Parade, but it did happen because we got a, sta- a statement in from the Guardi. We asked them, you know, what was going on in the city? Anybody arrested? Any guard attention? Guardi attended a number of public order incidents in Cork City uh, into the early hours of the 17th and 18th and even in the evenings. So that was right across the weekend. Public order and uniformed Garda units conducted high visibility patrols around the city. And to answer a question, yes, there were problems. There was a total of 11 arrests for public order offences in areas around Kennedy Key and the Grand Parade. So Kennedy Key is a big problem. Of course, this time last week we were talking about um, uh, the uh, young man and his wife. Uh, Mind you, they got separated and he got himself uh, beaten up and kicked on the ground uh, until two passers-by interjected. That was down in Kennedy Key. And I saw more video footage of fighting and kicking and pulling and tugging and hauling and screaming down Kennedy Key at the weekend. And apparently somebody's also telling me, and the guards are confirmed, there was also that same kind of carry-on down in the Grand Parade. Uh, lines open at one 104 A lot of texts from Friday. I'll pick up on all of those and some texts coming in with regards to travel and what have you across the morning already. So I'll do all of those in a few minutes' time. And I'm keen to go over to London because it's Freedom Day in the UK today. And I wonder how that's going down. But to the phone lines we go. Jim, good morning. Hey, how are you, boy? Good, good, good. And you? Good, good. Just a quick thing there on, on the COVID now that everybody's going on holidays um, and they're going to be bringing back more than bottles. Yeah, I know, I know that because we keep getting dragged back to it. Like the Independent this morning, there's a Ralph Regal article saying the Delta surge fears as the country opens up to foreign visitors. Fears of yeah. a rise of a Delta surge is engulfing Ireland. Yeah, so that's coming now. What are we like? Now that's coming. No, but that's, isn't that scaremongering? Can we not just deal with it? as it happens, and watch the hospitals and watch the ICUs. Well, that is, that, that's exactly what we should be doing. But should I help on injecting everybody in the country and there's no need? Like, what's going to happen here is that uh, we're going to get caught with our pants down again and, and then the old people are going to get a bang again and we're going to lose old people. Like, there are no most of these people are injected for six months, which is the 180 days that everybody's talking about where your protection level drops. And we should now be either reboosting the old people and concentrating on saving them. Because when all this starts, you know, when everyone comes back from holidays in a month, like, our old people are so vulnerable now again, and we're not even watching it. We're hell-bent in doing the 40s, the 20s, and then on to the kids, that we're forgetting why we've done all this two years Because they don't, need a, do they, they don't need a booster job just yet. We need to get everybody well, vaccinated first. Hold on a second. Oh, we're, we're, it's 180 days, and, you're, and it's going down, and it loses its strength. So if you're... Uh, old or elderly or and you're coming on six months of an injection you need a booster or certainly they need to tell us do they need a booster it's no point telling us in three months time when we see elderly people dying this whole project was to protect the old people not to protect Johnny who's 25 who's going to bounce out of it anywhere like you look at all the, the sports stars that are getting COVID it's not it's not killing them and hold, like they're not even afraid they're not even taking the bloody injection but we should concentrate take stock COVID was about protecting the old people. And we are, we're not mentioning this. We're going to allow all these variants back into our country now after holidays. And we're exposing our old people again. Somebody has to control this. See if they need injections. Stop giving it to the young people. And concentrate on where all the people died last year. We were burying old people like every bloody week. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to concentrate on. Somebody needs to get out. Can we not do both? 
Well, there's no need to do a both, Neil. This is the other thing. There's no point. Look, if you've got plants in your garden and you have a cactus, it doesn't need that much water. So you leave the cactus alone. And, uh, you know, if you're, common sense will tell you you don't need to give it to everyone. Let's put it this way, Neil. How many politicians are out there doing you this? None, to my knowledge. Come on, I, mean, I, just, I just keep throwing stuff like that out all the time. But you're bombarded every hour by COVID political stuff from the government. And fair enough, even try to have a conversation with your friend and he'll argue it does. Because it's in your head, you're, you're memorised by it, you know? So yeah, yeah. No, I just, I just, I'm, I'm only saying both because we have this Delta variant now uh, and they're saying there's an even worse one on the way. Is it an African variant, which they're not so sure the vaccine can handle? Um, I don't know whether that's the, is that the alpha, the gamma, the beta? There's a few of them. Yeah, let's put the money into that. And uh, what we do need is to give the people that it won't kill. It's going to kill the elderly, and it's going to kill the vulnerable. Yeah, but I know. And but you see, if you vaccinate everybody, that protects the elderly, doesn't it? No, not necessarily. So you can be. They're, they're telling you no, they won't. So you can still pass it on if you have it. Yeah, but le- less. Yeah, I know. But it's not. You don't pass on as deadly a dose of COVID if you're so vaccinated. Who's to know? Oh, do you know in a month's time? No, when everybody has it from holidays and we're all mixing again, you'll see... Yeah, the yeah but it won't really be international travel, will it? It'll be hospitality, surely, isn't that, isn't that what it'll be? No? Neil, I was walking around the town over the weekend, right? There are plenty of foreigners in here. If you go up on your app and you see all the planes flying in out of Ireland, long before the 19th, just walk around the town and the tourists are here. So is the disease and so is the variants. So it's here and it's just, it will explode... And all I'm saying is I don't want it to catch the elderly again. Okay. That was what it was all about. Okay. And we're forgetting about them. And we, we shouldn't do that. So you're putting, me, you're putting us on notice, a form of warning, if you like. Well, I think it is. If, if that's what you want, you're all on notice. We are going to catch the old people again unless we take stock. And at least look at how, what, what we've done, what went right, and what we need to do. Okay. Stop chasing the healthy people injecting them. Stop chasing the kids. Stay with the vulnerable and those that need it. We can afford that and it's the right way to go. And it also allows more time to help these old people and the vulnerable. Okay, as always, Jim, thanks for that. Do stay in touch. Uh, Do some texts if you like. It's been a busy morning, particularly with regards to travel and holidays. If you want to set that up for me, we can come back then again. Uh, But there's quite a number of, uh, of emails as well. Do you know what's got a lot of interest, actually? I was giving out the different... I don't have it in front of me now, but I was giving out the different um, apprenticeships that are available now and who's doing what apprenticeship and how many of them are male and how many of them are female. There's only a fraction of the amount of people in apprenticeships now is, say, 20 or 30 years ago. It's way down. There are some of them that are, you know, still uh, much more popular than others with regards to trades and what have you. Um, But uh, it's very interesting because uh, on the subject of apprenticeships, most apprentices will now have to serve an extra year, you know, as they weren't able to attend college as part of their course. I'm delighted that Leaving Cert students and college students were able to do their exams and continue their courses. The government say they want to attract 10,000 more people into the trades, but the same country, our same government, abandoned apprenticeships that are currently serving their time. Uh, Why apprenticeships can't do some of their college part-time online, send examiners into the workplace to see it's being done, particularly the practical that's only one idea to resolve the issue. Um, it's a bit of a tough time as well for, for apprenticeships, of course, because those that were coming through that thought they might be quitting or finishing the apprenticeship when they find that there's another year tagged onto it. But Anthony does talk about apprenticeships in an email where he says, having been a contributor and listener to the show for over a decade, uh, I've always found you to be fair and balanced regarding any topic. But when I heard you state the figures for apprenticeships, I thought your um, 
thought you were very one-sided. You didn't state the figures that nursing was the original profession monopolized by women. Now it's teaching. And we're also the first country in the world to have more practicing female solicitors. It's been that way since 2014. I really would love to know about this glass ceiling, this urban legend they claim exists. It has proven to be a myth. It seems to me that women don't want to get their hands dirty, but are happy to complain about it at the same time. Um, I think, I think, yeah, what, what Anthony is saying is that um, with regards to professions, nursing and teaching and law seem to be the ones that women are much more attracted to now because we have more in those professions than men now, uh, as opposed to, say, carpentry, block laying, electricians or plumbers. Um, back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. So there is an emergency certificate helpline now um, because many people are asking questions, really they are, about a certificate of recovery. You know, I've had COVID. Uh, how do I get the digital COVID certificate? Well, the certificate of recovery will be available from 11 days after a positive test. Um, many people will be a lot longer than that since recovering from COVID. So, but 11 days, you have to be 11 days after the positive test and it will be available for no more than 180 days after you test positive. See, they, they can make things difficult even with, with the language they use. But anyway, you'll be able to request that digital COVID certificate. This is based on recovery by calling the emergency certificate helpline. It's the 1-800 number, 851 504. Uh, and that's the emergency certificate helpline, not just for those looking for questions answered on the uh, COVID cert for recovery from COVID, but any question. Now, I would advise, bear in mind, there's 30 people handling those phone lines. And the more people that get the number, the 1-800-851-504, the more calls are going to be made. So if it's engaged or indeed if it rings out, you just have to keep on trying. 1-800-851-405. But I did mention that across the water, today is Freedom Day. Um, Mortifyingly, Freedom Day comes as Boris Johnson goes into isolation in checkers. You couldn't make this stuff up, but it is Freedom Day nonetheless. Trisha, good morning. Hiya. Hi. What does it mean, Freedom it Day? It means it's exactly the same as it was on Friday. Ah, come on, something must be different. Um, nightclubs. Masks, no? Hugging, shaking oh, hands. I was listening to Mr. Ferrari this morning yeah. on LBC, yeah. and he had a reporter at a nightclub in New- Newcastle. They had a rave, and... They were all loving it, and people didn't have to prove whether they were vaccinated. They didn't have to social distance, obviously. Um, yeah, so that's, I think that's the only difference. The tubes, people are still wearing masks. My um, neighbour works in a school, and she rang me earlier because she's got an Amazon parcel coming, and she said they're all wearing masks still there. Where? On the tube and on buses? Um, if you want to. It's not mandatory, but... Mm, didn't I hear, didn't I hear oh, somewhere did last Sadiq, week... Did Sadiq say that they are? Yeah, yeah, it's in spite of... And, and also, I think the tube operator said, you know, in spite of whatever the government tells you, we will... Yeah, I think you. the union said, yeah, carry on wearing them. Yeah. So, yeah, for protection. Wh- so why are they calling it Freedom Day if there's no huge... No idea. No idea. No idea what's... Maybe it's because you can... I don't know. I, I really I really don't know. My sister went on a cruise yesterday round Cornwall. 
And on there, you had to have, they tested you before you went on to make sure you were all right. And walking around there, you have to wear your mask and everything. So I think it is just as it was last week. How long have you guys been flying then? Because oh, me, I haven't. No, but you know what I mean. For us, it's today. For you, oh, people. Have, I know people who've been back and forward to Ireland all the time. But they're vaccinated and everything. No, even before they were vaccinated. Okay, okay. That's you must bit, know them too. That's a bit of a worry. I mean, I, I know that your case numbers are a worry. They're like fifty thousand a day. There were 48,000 yesterday, yeah. Okay, so was anybody worried about all of that as everything is as you, did you were? See Bournemouth, did you see Bournemouth Beach yesterday? Um, I did actually see some yeah. of the photographs in the red tops, yeah. 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 I don't think people are worried. I don't think they are. I think they think... People seem to think that if you get it, this, this thing has been going around saying that it's a flu. It's not a flu. It's... It, it's the worst thing ever. We had it in January, and I could, couldn't get out of bed for two and a half weeks. My daughter finally started eating after three and a half weeks. Mm, well. It's it's bad if you get it, but then again, my husband was was okay with it. Mm, mm, you know, that's right. so that's right. you know, it, it it all depends. But I think I don't know. I think people are being most people are being cautious, but not on Bournemouth Beach. <laughs> But they're saying that your daily figures could go to, I mean, they are like swarms of ants. They're saying that your figures go to 200,000 a day Mm. before you finally peak. Um, And that could result in thousands of hospital admissions a day. I think that is the thing. You see, they're not, the hospitals are not overrun. No, but they're saying, no, I'm I'm just quoting Mm. from the mail this morning. Like, is any of that a worry for people? I'm sure it is for some people. Do you think, is anybody talking, I mean, are they talking, is Nick Ferrari talking about, you know, say for instance, if this continues, we'll be back in lockdown, no? Not at all. He's talking, he's been, he he was one of the ones that were fuming that it was put back. He's been totally, he he wanted the, what did I call it, the roadmap speeded up. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had the hump because he had to quarantine after coming back from France. Um even though he's told not to go. Mm. So uh, it's hard to judge him, you know, sometimes. I mean, he's only one. But you get, you, it's just like your show. You get people saying, you know, I'm going to carry on with this. I'm, I'm going to go all out, you know, like the ones going to the Newcastle nightclub. No, I'm just, think- I'm just, I'm just, because, you know, at the weekend as well, Boris Johnson goes into quarantine. Yeah, but isn't that weird? Because he's had, he's double jabbed. We all know he's had COVID. So, no, but he's double jabbed. He's had COVID. He's coming. He's, he doesn't have it now. He's come into contact and was hugging the health minister who has it. So even <laughs> and where he, did he get it from? But even yeah. you see, the problem for Boris Johnson is that even though he's double jabbed, he could still give it to you. You see, he could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm just wondering. But yeah. so there's no alarm bells really going off saying, "Oh my God, uh, what are we doing?" No? Not in, not amongst the general public. No. And everything's. As it were now. Um, As it were. He, my husband was buying his breakfast in Sainsbury's this morning. He's working in Southwark and he said that people were going around with masks on. They're sanitising their baskets. And I oh, think we're all, okay. So. We're, I think we're all sort of, you know, regimented now to doing that. Okay. And are you planning any travel then? We are going to the Isle of Man. <laughs> <laughs> when? When? August. 
a ravine. It looks lovely. It's just, what you, will you go on a boat? We have to drive to Liverpool and we have to get the ferry and over to Douglas, yeah. Oh, lovely. And it, looks, it looks a cute little island. And a cute little <laughs> island is right. So no trepidation, no fear, no, nothing no. like that? Just Oh, no, we've been up north and round the country. You know, since we were since the hotels have opened, yeah. Okay, so it's interesting. One of the you've made a lot of interesting points, but one of them is that even though it's Freedom Day, a lot of people are behaving as if it's not. Still yeah, wearing masks. Just, and yeah, stuff. people are just as you were, you know, more or less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there's people like the ones in Newcastle, but. Um, that's Newcastle. Yeah. Well, you can't really social distance at a, at a at a rave or in a nightclub, can you? No, you can't. I'm surprised you sent a reporter, though. All right. Well, how's the weather there? Scorchio. Beautiful. What are you getting? 26, 28, 30 degrees? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Thank God for aircon units. All right, well, listen, do stay in touch as always. Thanks for no the update. Problem. Cheers right. as always. Cheers. Take care. Trish Costello in uh, London, where everything is normal, but not the kind of normal we thought maybe would have been two years ago, as in it may be Freedom Day, but people are still behaving. Well, many people are behaving, wearing masks and continuing to isolate, a bit like Boris Johnson, I suppose. And I did see photographs of the Bournemouth Beach. You maybe if you thought... If you thought Yall Beach was busy at the weekend, oh my God, oh my... you got to wonder, how did they all get to the beach? Where did they put their cars? Anyway, we're all off to sunny Spain, yeah, but what will it be like when you get there? Pat O'Neill has uh, Canary Island tips. I think he's there. He's been sunning himself there Hi, for... Neil. How many days are you there now? Oh God, am I here almost a month at this stage? Oh, well, yeah. well and truly yeah, acclimatised. Yeah, it's really warm here. It's like yesterday in Gran Canaria was the highest of all of Spain, 41.9 in the interior. I couldn't live yes. with that. I just could not. I really couldn't. I'm okay. the same, Neil. I was walking around Las Palmas yesterday and it was mid-30s and I struggled with it, I'll be honest, you know. Some people and love it. mid-20s. Some people love it, but 24, 25 is too hot for me. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. are you expecting from today numbers to pick up and more and more to arrive? Definitely. Um, I was looking at a stat there online this morning and they said that uh, flights into Spain yesterday, now that was before the 19th, were 70% of 2019 levels, you know. And the UK as well are changing. I mean, like in the UK, for example, if you came to an amberless country, which Spain was, you still had to quarantine. But from today, you don't. Yes. So there'll be, yeah. So, yeah, definitely there'll be a lot more flights in from today, you know. And there are flights going out of Cork, as I was saying, today, not just to Spain or the islands, but also to Portugal and, and places like that. And as the week goes on, hopefully even more. Um, but Spain is reimposing restrictions, yeah? Uh, yes and no. Um, I was, it's like I was listening to Owen Corey there, and I really like listening to that guy. He's very knowledgeable. Um, they, like some areas, are like in Barcelona, I think they're going to have a curfew from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., but uh, like all the bars are still open and all the restaurants. But are that still wouldn't open, really you know? concern many people, the bars staying open till 1 o'clock is no, as much as you want, really, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm like, for example, here in the Canary Islands. The government wants to have the power to have a curfew on islands that are on level three or more. Now, the superior court there has knocked that back twice. But ha- why? So the- why would they? 
why would they be? What's the problem at one o'clock? Like, what happens at one in the morning? Uh, Is that when COVID comes out yeah. or something? No, it's not. It's when the it's when the young kids come out. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like uh, yeah. what's happening is that there seems to be like COVID at the moment. It's mostly in younger people, so they're out it, like on beaches. So it's to prevent all night parties, on. then. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like the way I think of it. If the bar is closing at midnight, why would you want to be out after half twelve anyway? You know. So it wouldn't bother me that much, you know. If, now, they, what the government the government has appealed the Superior Court decision uh, uh, to the Supreme Court, so it could come in this week. It's like fifty fifty, I would say. What would, what have they appealed the cur- the one a.m. curfew? Uh, yeah, well, what the Canaries want to do is that they want to uh, like any island on level three or more. Um, they'll have a twelve thirty to six a.m. curfew here. Um, but the Superior Court said no, so the islands are appealing that to the Supreme Court. So that could go any, either way, you know. But here's a typical example of how, say, numbers are going up, but hospital rates are not. Well, I have very interesting stats in front of me here. The Canary Islands uh, have um, six risk indicators. Now, two of them are high risk, is the 14-day risk. And the seven area. So that's natural because cases are going up here at the moment, you know. Mm. Now, the other four, there's the R rate, which is the reproductive rate, the positivity rate, the amount of capacity for COVID in hospitals, and the amount of capacity for ICUs are all at low risk levels. Yeah, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's anticipated that that will stay like that, is it? Um, I you know what I, I I do an update every day on the COVID situation uh, here, Neil. So I'm very close to it. Like rates are definitely uh, they're going up here, but I have a feeling it's going to peak. Um, because I'll give you another. And what is it? Is it the Delta variant? Do you know? It's the Delta variant. But I'll give you another interesting stat. For the first 14 days in the Canary Islands, we had about 5,000 new cases. Uh, 72% of them were in people who had no vaccination. 18% were in people who had one vaccination. And 10% were in people who were fully vaccinated. So more people will be moving to the other two categories, you know. As into the fully vaccinated, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Exactly. And of the, say, 500 people who had been fully vaccinated, 21 of them had to go into hospital and none of them had to go into intensive care. Okay. All right. So if if you were on the Canary Islands now, um, as you are, and you were out and about, is it as if... This is all a distant memory then, all of this COVID. Uh, There's nothing to show. I'm like the local people. I'm just wondering, is there anything to see now? Um, I'm like, out in the streets, you don't actually have to wear a mask anymore out in the streets if you're a distance of one and a half metres from someone. But I would reckon here in Las Palmas, I'd say 80% of the people are still wearing masks outside, you know? Um, so they're, uh, I'm like, everyone's conscious that rates are rising and I think everyone wants to do their bit, you know? But like, other than that... Why would you I wear a mask walking there. around on the street and take it off when you go into a pub or a restaurant? It's weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, you don't, you have to wear it like, okay, if you're sitting down eating inside, you obviously take it off. But if you're outside and you need to go to the bathroom, you, put you it wear on. a mask in. But like, for example, Neil, why would you want to eat inside anyway in, in this heat? Well, that's very true. Outside? Yeah, that's very yeah. true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Okay. Did you, did you buy that cruiser yet? I think you're going to move on to a cruiser, oh, aren't you? Oh, whoa. That, I have a big decision to make, Neil. A really big decision. 
um, either to get a boat and kind of live on it, or I'll break the news for any of my friends that are, are listening now. I might actually set up in Cork and come over here, you know, so I'm not you sure. Might what? what? Yet, you might know? what? I might sell my place in Cork and move over here permanently. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I have a really, really hard decision to make, you know, really oh, hard no, decision to make. Oh, no, it's tough, isn't it? So, yeah, it's really, really tough, you know. And I suppose, like, everyone, I'm like, I get advice from everyone, which is probably the worst thing, you know. I probably, but yeah, but well, what really does your gut tell you to do, you know? What, you know, what does your heart uh, tell you people, to do? Yeah, yeah, I have a really good friend here that's, like, been, like, he's 70-odd, and he was a good businessman, and he used to be a ship's captain, and he was kind of saying, like, for example, okay, pal, if you're in Cork and you rent it out to someone and it's like, and they refuse to pay you, then you have a boat over here, but you have no income, you know, that kind of way, you know. So that's a risk, I suppose. Yeah, but, but I mean, uh, I, but there's risks going out the front door. There is. You see, you could spend your life yeah. taking advice now from people, but what do you, what yeah, do you, what do you want to do? Exactly. Well, I usually can, I usually can make a very quick decision. And have your boat in mind. Oh, sure, look, there's a guy here from Northern Ireland sending me pictures of boats every day, you know. Obviously, he's going to make a commission from it, you know. So, uh, and I'm definitely avoiding the marina down there because of him, but, like, he's showing me boats every day, you know. But I, I'm and are they fierce value? I'd love to see. I'd love if you could send me some of those photographs. Of I will, yeah, yeah, I can send it to you because he's after sending me about 10 of them. And I was having a coffee across the road. Uh, two yeah, days ago just, I, just, I don't know whether you're, you're following me on Instagram, but maybe you could send them to my Instagram page. Would you mind? I I don't have Instagram, but I'm following you on Twitter. All right, is that any good? No, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Can you just email them? Because you see, what I'm thinking yeah, of doing, what yeah. I'm thinking of doing is getting a a cruiser, which you'll source for yeah. me really, really cheap. Moving to the yeah. Canaries and doing my program from the Canary Islands. Then, yeah, yeah, I mean, I could be everything's your possible. Over I here, get rid. You don't need Ben if you come over here. I can be your assistant over here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just, Brenda. <laughs> just a thought. Anyway, listen, stay in touch, pal. Good to catch up as always. Okay. I just want to need before I finish, right? <laughs> they update the levels of the islands every Thursday. Now things are changing very quickly one way or the other. So I update that on my website, Canary Islands Tips, every Thursday. So if you are planning a holiday, uh, get on to that. Site yeah, but here's the here's the worry people have if they're going to yeah. the islands or they're going to Marbella or something, is that when they're there Everything will change, and they'll get stuck, or they'll yeah, have to. Well, everything will change in Spain, and they'll have to come home and to quarantine for a fortnight in a hotel, and you know all these kind of horror stories. Yeah, well, I, I, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of what the Irish government did, but uh, recently, but I think they're way better than what's happening in the UK. I'm like, their traffic light system is absolutely chaotic. Like they put uh, France was on an amber list on Wednesday night. And then they created a new category called Amber Plus. So all the people who would have booked um, France between Wednesday and Friday, which a lot of people would have done because they could actually fly out there um, t- uh, today without having to quarantine, oh, now had to cancel. Like, what, did they, what didn't they know on Wednesday that they know on Friday? No, I know, but I mean, you yeah. know, Amber is yeah. bad enough trying to work that out, but Amber Plus, talk about confusing people. Oh, yeah, people. the new one, as far as I know, right. there was like uh, three three lights on a traffic light, isn't it? But I think they have five now. So, <laughs> Thanks, so, Pat. Thanks, at least, Pat. At least the Irish government are not that bad. Right. I'll give them that, you know. Stay in touch, as always. That's oh. Pat O'Neill, Canary Islands tip, uh, Canary Island Tips. 
Is it Canary? I'm not quite sure if it's Canary Island tip or Canary Islands tips. Which is it, Pat? Canary Islands tips. Canary Islands oh, tips. Okay. Yeah. Mind yourself, oh. as always. Take Enjoy care. the song. Bye. Cheers, my man. Uh, Trisha got in touch, actually. This isn't Trisha from the UK. It's another Trisha. She says, I'm on hold for the digital cert, cert helpline. I've been on hold since half, pan- half past eight this morning. Maybe something you could air. Well, it just backs up what I'm saying. Uh, you will be. I mean, if they answer fairly rapido, you're lucky. But there's a typical example on hold since half eight this morning. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Tricia in London is right when she talks about people still being apprehensive. In spite of it being Freedom Day over there, she's said many people continue to do what they have been doing over the past year and a half. Anyway, one of the things, a survey makes the Times UK this morning. You know how Boris Johnson's going on about levelling up the country? Apparently, nearly 70% of people who were surveyed haven't a clue what he means by levelling up the country. Uh, but um, it's very interesting because they were asked questions about with Freedom Day, you can do an awful lot more. So how many people would be comfortable, say, going to a party? Uh, nearly 55% of them said that they'd still be uncomfortable. Going to a nightclub, uh, again, over 50% said uncomfortable. Uh, going to a large sporting event. Um, 46% of people said they would still be uncomfortable. Same kind of number for a theatre or a business conference or stuff like that. And then they were asked the question, do you think lifting the most remaining COVID-19 restrictions in the UK is the right thing or the wrong thing to do today, Monday the 19th? 55% of those surveyed said it was the wrong thing to do. So they're still apprehensive there. Of that you can be sure. Lots of other texts and emails. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. A lot of families are heading out of Cork Airport. Seamus Wheelahan's been up there this morning. I have a Vox from the airport, but I hope to have a chat with him maybe just after eleven to see what it was like there because the flight to um, I think the flight this morning, the eleven ten flight this morning, which is about to take off, is the Aer Lingus eleven ten to Palma. So that was the big sun holiday heading out of Cork Airport this morning. All that and lots more besides after eleven. Here, tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Everything how they must feel this morning. Right now, it's uh, three minutes now at this stage. Three minutes away from the Palma flight taken off at Cork Airport at 11.10. And imagine, let's say they have to walk across the tarmac to the airplane. Imagine walking across the tarmac at Cork Airport to the airplane to take you to the sunny spells, sunny Spain and you're leaving this behind you. You're like, it doesn't make sense, doesn't it, when we're getting this wonderful, wonderful weather. I suppose people going to Spain or the Canaries or Marbella or wherever the hell or the islands would prefer if it was overcast and cold here right now, wouldn't they? Anyway, text over text 0868104106. I just want to get some texts on the air because it's been a busy morning. A reference to more fighting and more attacks down in Kennedy Key at the weekend. I got a text in from a very worried and upset parent. My son was assaulted Saturday night in Kennedy Key from three guys. He was taken a wee and they attacked him from behind. He now needs plastic surgery and will be permanently disfigured on his face. It happened at half past seven on Saturday evening. I'm so sorry to hear that about your son. It's an awful, awful thing to happen. Don't know whether the... uh, Three guys who attacked him were one of the 12 that were arrested uh, on Saturday night. I hope so. I'm very, very sorry to hear that plastic surgery will be needed. Um, Thank God 
you know, he survived the attack because if there was plastic surgery, what did they use to attack him? Um, so sorry to hear that. Uh, there was trouble, a lot of trouble, Neil, on Grand Parade on Saturday night. There were gang fights. It is a, it's a disgrace. So bad, they were fighting on top of moving cars in traffic. Well, yeah, I mean, before that would surprise you, wouldn't it? That would have been the rarity. But now far from it in the city at the weekends at night. Morning. I was listening there to the single dad going to Greece. I hope he's gone to the Visit Greece website to do the COVID-19 PLF form. If he doesn't have the email from them confirming that he filled in the form uh, or have the QR code that they send, he won't be allowed to board the plane. Please contact him to ensure that he has done this and taken these protocols, says Marion. Well, I hope he's listening and that he has taken, if he hasn't, that he takes your advice to do it if he hasn't done so already. I'm traveling today. My wife has no digital cert issued. It is the first morning and the dedicated helpline is disconnected. It's a total shambles, this helpline. If uh, she now needs to be tested, what department do we claim the cost back from? The state has failed to provide the cert, so why should we incur a financial penalty, says Kieran in ovens. You see the grey area there. You know the card that you got for the two vaccinations. You say that um, your wife has no digital cert, but she has been vaccinated. Um, They say that there's a very good chance that that would be acceptable. But you don't say where you're traveling, so I can't say with any amount of certainty. But they say that across Europe, Europe is accepting that. Uh, if you don't have the digital cert and the QR code. Wondering, if we decide to travel in the coming weeks to Spain, do I need to have my 10-year-old daughter have a PCR test and return to Ireland? She's a resident of Ireland, or is that just for non-residents? Forget about what non-residents have to do. As far as you're concerned, you do not have to have a PCR test for your 10-year-old. If she was 12 going on 13 now, that would be entirely different. But at 10, the answer is no. Uh, Neil, Malta will only take fully vaccinated people. People should be aware of that. The negative tests will not do. Thank you for that. That's not the first text I got on Malta. They, they really clamped down. They only want fully vaccinated people on the island. There was an article in the New York Times titled, It's not the planes that are rusty, it's the pilots. It was all about pilots returning and making rookie mistakes. I'll wait a while before flying, says Pa. <laughs> Don't be upsetting or annoying pilots. Um, but, I mean, uh, I, I, mean I, I, I don't really think you could equate flying a plane. You know, let's say, I mean, okay, well, I haven't flown a jumbo now for two years, but I'll be fine. Um, could you say that like you could say, well, I haven't driven a car for two years, but I'll be fine. I mean, would you be rusty, say, if you hadn't driven a car in in two years? Or is driving a car or flying an airplane a bit like riding a bike? You know? Our Aer Lingus going to fly Bristol and Birmingham from Cork. Stobart have gone into liquidation and they service these routes. The Aer Lingus website is very unclear. Well, that's a question I'll put to them next time they're on. To answer your question, are all staff back at Cork Airport? They are not. Cork are waiting for the DAA to get more staff back, says Mick. And then loads on vaccinations. If you can still catch COVID-19 and still transmit COVID-19 acts of after vaccination, what is the point in getting vaccinated? Well, you don't get as sick and you don't make others as sick. Could you please ask the caller that is from Kinsale if the mackerel are in the harbour? Too late for that, but as anybody down in Kinsale can tell us, are the mackerel running? Morning, Neil. Another song to play would be Fire and Water by Heatwave. I'd love to hear it, says Leonard in Kinsale. I bet you that's going back a, 
uh, a while. That's probably something from the back end of the 70s, I imagine. Morning, my son's an apprentice plumber. He's in college at the moment and they're actually doing three days in college and two days at home online. I've no doubt you'll be calling out his business name in the future, Suzanne. Well, you're proud of your son. I'm sure that I will. I've been trying to get through to this helpline for the last week and I haven't got through once. I was vaccinated back in March and have yet to receive my COVID cert. I just wanted to get in contact to ask when will I receive it, but I've had no joy whatsoever. They say that it's only emergency calls that should be made. Um, I mean... You can stop a stampede, but they're just saying if it's an emergency call, if it's not, don't. But people will call nonetheless. But I would think that you'd be deemed as an emergency at this stage if you were vaccinated fully in March and now we're in July and no cert. I think you'd be one of those that should be picking up the phone. Calls on the way after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106 and I'll come back to calls and text between now and midday and what have you. I had the pleasure actually of reading over the weekend the updated version of David Martin McCarthy's book Spangle Hill Forever, The Lives and Times of Farron Ree. It was published some time back and he... Um, um, didn't publish enough, enough. It was so popular. So he's gone back and he's updated the book and it's available again now. It's a fabulous read. I mean, the amount of work and effort that went into it, the photographs down through the years are incredible. The amount of research he did is just uh, awesome. Of course, as we know, the one and only David Martin McCarthy is also known to me and always has been since 1978 since I, when I first met him as the one and only Rocky Stone. And he joins me by phone. Rocky, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You don't mind if I stick to the Rocky, do you? No, 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 no. No. Fire away. Fair play, dear. Fair play. So, the book is out again, um, not just for people here, but overseas to know about, because they can also get it on Amazon. But I, I never knew that originally Spangle Hill was a house that was land bought by a Yank who built okay. Spangle Yeah, but was he a mystery Yank? Did anybody actually know why he came to Cork and built this huge, big select residence on, on, on that area land. You know, there's only a reference in the, the Cork City Library that states that uh, in the 18th century, not in the 1800s, um, an American citizen purchased land to the north of Farm Forest, where he built a dwelling house, which he named Spangle House. And then the people in the area at the time, most of them would have spoke Irish, so it was a uh, Chuck and Spungle, and they eventually then, the Hibberungers, the Hidden Heirs, that became Canuck and Spungle, Spangle Hill. Gotcha. So he bought five and a half acres. Five and a half acres. He built this fabulous, fabulous house with land and tennis courts and lawns and gardens. I mean, and we have no idea who the guy was or whether he was a descendant of Cork or anything. No. That's amazing. And when, so I, I remember when it was commonly known as Spangle Hill, it's Probably not as much now known as Spangle Hill. It'd be more Farren Ree, Farren yeah. Ferris areas of Grawn, right? Yeah. But, but much of those that moved to the area would have been moving to the countryside, really, wouldn't they? When they before they started building in the 1930s. They were, yeah, and, and they were actually moving to the county yeah. at the time because yeah. that area was in the county just outside the city boundaries yeah. at the time. Yeah. And some of them... Not very many, but some of them actually couldn't settle there. Because they might have come from tenements known in the city centre or some old dark narrow lanes and all that. And it was a totally different environment. And to them, like, it was way out the country. So there were some of them who actually went back to the corporation and 
handed back the keys, you know. It's amazing that they would do that because, as you say correctly in the book, they were living in dire conditions in the city, in appalling, squalling tenements. Oh, they were, yeah. And, and of course, you had TB raging at the time as well, you know. And you got to speak with some of the former residents who, who had moved. So you must have been doing this research for years, were you? Um, well, I wrote my first book, The Grand Bar Story, 1997. But I, I've been in the family parish since 1990. And uh, a few months after The Grand Bar book came out, Father Bertie, who was parish priest in the family, I think he called it the Jews or something. And when he realised who I was... He said, you're living in my parish now. He said, it's about time you wrote about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, researched, I researched then and um, published it in 1999. So you would have spoken to, and it's in the book actually, there are many chapters set aside to the book too, the appalling circumstances of where people were living in dark, narrow laneways, run down, overcrowded, rat-infested tenement buildings, unfit for human consumption consumption, sharing one filthy outdoor toilet and a cold water tap before them. Um, and then they moved to three-bedroom houses with indoor plumbing. And front and rear gardens. It must have been and, incredible. And, ga- and gas and gas on tap. Yeah, I mean, and you say that some of them could not reacclimatize and moved back into those situations? Yeah, yeah, it is. And with the move then, of course, um, the children's health improved, didn't it? Because they had better food, they had better and plumbing, they had better air, I suppose. Fresh, fresh air, yeah. yeah. Fresh air. Yeah. It, made yeah. A, it made a massive difference. And, of course, there was a huge building project went on through the 30s and the 40s and 50s. And, and, and then from that, communities were built. Isn't that true? Correct, yeah. yeah. I had, they, they actually had uh, to use explosives at one stage, uh, blowing rocks out of where, um, where Fairfield Avenue was now, you know? So I mean, some of the kids were delighted. You can't go to school today. They're, they're bombing over the road. <laughs> <laughs> some great stories, actually, of the kids in the book and the things they got up to. I mean, you have a complete section on the different games that were played. How many of them are played now, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's chapter and verse. Go through some of those. Um, Gassy Addies, Tessies, Picky, Steering Ass, Picky, Hopscotch, and uh, Skipping, and they had their Steering Ass, the Steering Car. There's some great photographs of the kids in the Steering Ass. I mean, it's a wonder they didn't break their necks on them. No, nobody ever did. The the problem was with the Steering and the North Side. You could fly down, you could fly down far away down to the end of black hole, but you had to drag it all the way back up again. <laughs> it was all downhill, and the, and there was um, there was uh, you know, fellas who had the pram wheels were kind of deemed to be a, a sissy because what you really <laughs> needed to be to be one of the lads was ball bearings. Yeah. yeah, they had to have the ball bearings. <laughs> I wonder he's there now, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they had they had to make do because even in spite of the new homes, things were still tight, weren't they? Because we were still yeah. we're still at a time of of rationing, uh, and you still had many people having to duck the rent man and duck the gas man. Isn't it true? Yeah, there's there's a story in the book about um, two two women who were ducking the rent man. One called to her, her buddy, which she had no money either, so they said they'd duck him, and the rent man came along and. Knocked on the door, and they told him we were hiding inside the window, down below the window front room, and he knocked a few times. 
and he realised what was going on. And then he came back, tapped on the window, said, "It's all right, there was I collect double next week." <laughs> he knew exactly what was going he on. Would, would, and the gas man would say the same because people would uh, either borrow a shilling or put a piece of lino into the yeah. gas meter. Some, some people told me miraculous medals and everything. Mar- Marley was the most popular. Yeah, I didn't understand what Marley was. What is that? It's just it's just linoleum, but it was it, it was thicker than normal linoleum, you know. <laughs> and more expensive. But they said, they, as 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 one woman said when the gas man walked up the street, she said he had he had enough Marley, he had enough Marley in his in his uh, bag to cover every floor in his house. <laughs> and, and the other one said, the my meter, there's more Marley than money in it. <laughs> How do they? How do they get away with it, though? I mean, the gas company must have been broke. Yeah, eventually, eventually, you might you might get your gas cut off. You know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. You know, there's a lot then about how tough people actually did find it in the book and the reliance on the pawns. And I counted yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different pawns on one page of your book. Many of them on Shandon Street, a few on Patrick's Hill, and one or two on, in Blackpool as well, and, and Blarney Street also. How did the yeah. pawn work? Um, you bring in goods. You, you might, it might be your suit. It might be... What, they, what some people would do, they might buy a bit, as it was called, a bit of blankets, which would be two blankets um, from some shopping, some shopping town and higher purchase. The blankets never saw the bed, you know. They'd go into the pawn shop then maybe on the Monday and they'd be given a, a, basically a loan of X amount of money. And, and the, the pledge that you're, the pledge you're putting in then, that was your security. And when you come back to to get that over again then you pay the interest on that I know, That's how it works. I know and if you didn't collect them six months then they were sold yeah but you see you, you never you were never getting ahead doing that because you would owe Cavendish as the money and then oh, you'd have something yeah. stuck in the pawn yeah the, 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 men, the men usually only wore their suit on the Sunday going to mass you know so, so, there were, so there were men that actually from Monday to Friday they, they wouldn't be going out but they never knew that their, their suit was in the pawn from Monday to Friday for years, uh, was it by and large the men then to be working? Where were they? Where would they have been working? Many of them clearly on the docks. Many of them maybe on building sites, right? And uh, actually, actually, building the uh, corporation estates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were hundreds and hundreds inside there. There's a sad story in it where you you talk of one woman who kept a cheap ring in a tea caddy which she got from a Barmbrack fruitcake. That's right. And at times right. of need, tell us that story. What would she do with it? She she pawned the she pawned the ring, and she put on the cheap one on her finger so the husband wouldn't notice she wasn't wearing that wedding ring. So it must have been like was there an awful lot of anxiety, stress, and worry then? Ah, there was yeah, there was. Times were very very hard. Yeah, and did did, did they just all pull together? That that was it. The, the neighbours, you know, they used to say fed by the neighbours. A woman in one house might have a big party stool. There'd be, there'd be, there'd be uh, what's left over that would go over the back wall into the woman next door, you know, to feed her kids. Yeah, they relied on each other. I love the stories with the turf and the and the coal, um, particularly the young fellas who would go down and kind of cheat the coal man with the weights right, and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> that. That that story came from a friend of mine, Seamus Nolan. But uh, it, it was the same on the bottom. You try it, when he's not looking like you might put your foot on and up. Lift up the scales or something, you know, to make it uh, look lighter and get next to a few uh, knobs of coal or sides of turf. Amazing photographs. Where did you get them all? Oh, all over the place. 
a lot of people, a lot of people were very, very good to send them to me, but there was something I, I got uh, on the internet, you know, through researching and that. But when I originally, when I did the original book, and I'd be in someone's house, and she said, wait there, no boy. And an old cardboard box and a biscuit tin might come down. Go away. I'll come out of the hot press and oh, look at that. Rest of, and that's, you know, the, not, not very many people had cameras in those days. Some fabulous some shots. Have four, yeah, some fabulous shots. A lot of them are sporting memories, actually, of all sorts of different shapes and sizes. I mean, because clearly hurling and football and bowling and camogie were all very, very prevalent up in that area and right down into Blackpool itself. Actually, speaking, speaking of Blackpool then, of course, you, you set aside a few chapters on, on the Sunbeam. You say that no history of Spangle Hill or Farnry would be complete without the Sunbeam. I mean, it, it's, an, it's amazing that so many people, like, what would it have been? A thousand, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred in its heyday? I, I, think it's, I think at one stage they were up to two thousand. A lot of people. The Sunbeam. A lot of people. So that, so that was a massive last then when it closed, of course. Yeah, it kind of limped along to the end and finally went, what, 1990, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, around that. But the Dwyers were very good people to work for, weren't they? Well, apparently they were great employers. I mean, they had a dentist there. Amazing. They had a swimming pool there. I don't, I don't know if that was for the average worker or management or whatever. The swimming pool. But they had the baths there because people who had to share baths yeah. before they ever got a decent house would have their only the weekly bath in, the, bath in the sunbeam. In the sunbeam, that's correct. So the loss of it. And, and a, lot of people, a lot of people married out of the sunbeam, didn't they? They'd, they'd have married each other, yeah. From different departments and what have you? Yeah. Great characters, great stories. Some of, the, some of the research was done in some of the hostelries on the north side as well, wasn't it? I see a lot of references to the old reliable and things like that. Would you just, would you make an appointment to meet somebody in there to chat with oh, them or would, would it just no, happen? No, I'd know them like, and then, and they just, like for example, the old reliable, and the stories out of something. I happened to be in the old reliable and uh, the owner's wife or the co-owner had them as there. And she said, you were doing a book, it was fine, here I am, you putting in this under my arm, come out like I walked down there for years, and then she went down with the sword, you know? And you talk a lot with regards to the Shawleys and the characters in Cork. There's a beautiful section, um, just talks about Andy Gaw himself. Um, oh, Andrew Egan, yeah. Andrew Egan. I mean, I, I can remember him as a very, very small boy. But you make, because many people say that all the characters are gone, you don't necessarily believe that, No. Well, they're, they're, but they're not the same. You know, they're, they're, there's characters now and there's chances. Is there a difference? Well, those, those characters, like, they actually, some of them got help from that, you know. They went very well. But they brightened up our lives for us. They brightened up the city. But Andy, Andy Gaw would give the child a penny, but would tap the mammy for sixpence or a shilling, well, is it? He said, you know, to say that he never asked anyone for money. But he was so, so well known around Cork. The mother might would see Andy and go, Andy, come here back. And she'd give him a shit. And then he'd be, he'd be so grateful that then he'd give the child a penny or two then. I don't mean to put talk. you on the spot, but did, did he die? Did he reach a good age like Andy go? I tried, I, I actually tried to think. I think he did. Because I, I remember, I, like you know, when I was young, I remember when he, to me then he seemed, he seemed much older than me, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the Shawleys? All gone now? Who was the last? Your your man was a Shawley, wasn't she? My, my grandmother was. Your grandmother. Um, the last Shawley in Cock was Mrs. Lauder from Grand Abraha. 
Oh, there's, yes, I know. I think they're... And I have a photograph. I'm, hopefully, in, in the next couple of months, I'll I walk and repeat the Gondobar story, and there'll be a photograph of Mrs. Loader, the last Shardian cock, with her first great-grandchild. These are important books, actually, because they document the history of an area in quite some well, detail. People yeah. used to say to me, there's no history in Grand, there's no history in Spangard. They're only on houses. But my answer was, yeah, but there's people in the houses. And all of yeah. them, they say there's a story in everybody, don't they? Everybody has a story, yeah. Did you as a young fella go to the Lido? I did. How'd you get I in? Did. Was it a jam jar or did you slip in behind them? No, I just, it was a couple of truppings, but if you had, they'd take jam jars if you had them. And then, and then they'd, they'd be, he'd, he'd sell those then on the Ogilvy's and Moors in Panel Place. <laughs> so we were recycling in those days. <laughs> You were robbing. You were robbing jam jars and bottles. I'd say, was it? I tried. Well, I want to mention while we're here, only there's a there's a couple of lovely poems in the book from Dennis Twig, a local bar. He, he, he did he did a poem on Nash's Boring and a poem on the, the Blackstone Bridge, and then um, photographs of the same. And uh, I, I actually have a little poem here if you want to go Nash's Boring. Well, there's a lot of them in there. There's a beautiful ode to Spangle Hill, but go ahead, yeah, why not? Oh, that, oh, that, oh that's my own, the ode to Spangle Hill. Well. At the top of Fair Hill, overlooking the stream, winds the much-famed wee road known as Nash's Boring. Overlooking the valley so lovely below, where the huntsmen and bowlers so oft times it go. Great views to the north, to the east and the west, and the rambles of old, which was the place I loved best. The singing of linnets ran out with great joy as we walked down the lane from the old crappy by. The buzzing of bees as we searched for their hives, it was easy to please us in our far past young lives. Seeking birds' nests as we go on our way, eating the black ass on a fine summer's day. Then down to the river of Bag and Tarnings, we had it all then in those days, so it seemed. Those days that appear, now only in dreams, those days long ago along Nash's Boring, as Dennis Week. It's beautifully written. And, and how do they think of the world now? Oh, it's a totally different theatre. You know, that, 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 a lot of people are saying to me, they're thanking me for writing books, you know, they can explain to their children just at how your grandparents, our great-grandparents lived. This well, well in many regards, it's a much better place with regards to oh, the, you know, the, the housing yeah. and people are living longer and, the, you know. And, and the kids are, the kids are, they're the best educated generation ever, you know. But the downside, the downside, of course, is more antisocial behaviour, more yeah. drug abuse, more problems with, uh, with alcohol and things like that. It's kind of sad, isn't it? You have that as well, but you still have, there's still a great community spirit there. Yeah, yeah. The Crappy Boy, did he actually exist? Was there, is there somebody buried there who was part of that Fenian movement? It was a United Irishman, wasn't it? There, there, there was a lovely man who used to live by the Fairfield, uh, Mick, the late Mick Maxweeney. And he told me that his, his great-grandfather, oh, the Fairfield was outside their door. He told me that there were pipes hung there one time. Pipes. Buried in the ground, Pipes. For, for fighting. And the, he said the story was that the crappy boys about have killed the British sergeant. Yeah. Or, or attacked them at the sergeant. But, but I, sp- I spoke to the, a member of the Proud family years ago on crappy boy, crappy boy farm. And I asked him, why didn't, uh, why didn't the corporation ever dig it up and see, was there a body there? And she said, they, oft, they often asked him. But at that stage, it was all overgrown. You couldn't get in there. It isn't there anymore. But basically. people do visit it. There's some photographs in the book where, like, 
classes from Bali, schools. Yeah. yeah, the man used to go and visit. So they obviously believed that it was something yeah, significant. Yeah, and, you, and you had to say a little prayer and throw a stone on the grave, you know. It's a beautiful read, it really, and I'm not, and I, and I'm not necessarily from that particular area, but a lot of it I can relate to as a Corkonian. You know, yeah. to, like for instance, uh, I wonder if the Baldy Barber realised that the uh, the barber shop in Blackpool was once a pawn shop. A pawn shop, yeah. And and, and when your man decided to sell it in 1936, and he, he made sure to put in the ad adjacent to the new Spangles and Houses. Because <laughs> he knew that's where the customers would be that's coming from. Cost- that was it. <laughs> and I realised also, I eventually found out who Paddy O'Brien, he probably told me before, but who he was uh, a messenger boy from um, when he was yeah. 14 years of age. A lot of fellas lied about their age, didn't they? Oh, they did. They, did. they, they, they might be 12 or 13 years of age, but they might be big for their age, you know? And there's a lot of references then um, to Josie Knowles. Was she the greatest singer on the North Side? No, no, no. Jo- Josie, she, she'd, um, she'd be involved in running bus outings and um, uh, entertainment nights and all that, but she became a massive fan of, of Sonny Knowles. <laughs> And it was it was Josie and her mates were running bus albums that they, they, they basically gave um, Sonny Knowles a new career in car. That's right, because Noel Magner says in the book that he'd have gigs down in the island rooms and Sonny Knowles would be playing and the and the and the people there would be shouting for we want Nosey, we want Nosey and he said he didn't know which Knowles they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true, um, Rose? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's and true. he actually he, he attended her funeral. He came down to Dub from Dublin for her funeral. Did. No, I saw him going into the church when he was pushed out of the cop and coming down to the church. Then we all okay. saw. You saw Sonny, no. And Rose Colland, you, have you read the book? I'm reading it. I have it here in front of me. My son gave it to me. I have it. My mum is photographed in the book. And what's your mum's name? Uh, Lily Wolf, but they used to call her Lily Lux. Lux, as in the Lux washing powder. L-U-X. As in the washing yeah. powder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why did they call her Lily Lux? Because my mum was born with a coil over the coil over her head. Right. And my nan, my nan had it away. Her mother pushed it away. And the soldiers, the sailors would give anything and anything. And it was robbed her mother over my nan's house. Oh, That's, my. It said it's very lucky. That's how my mum was called, Luck. Well, I'll be done. And do you, are, do you, are you loving reading the book about the stories of... Oh, loves it. Loves it. Even the, the band there, the Hollies. I know most of the boys. I was wherever most of the boys. I forgot about the section on all the musicians that came out of it, yeah. Yes, yes, the Hollies. I actually was weird with most of those boys. Well, there was lots Janet more besides Mahan, that. The fella, yeah, yeah. Christy Mahoney from That's the Dixie weird. Show brand. Uh, Danny McCarthy yeah, is in Max, the book. And do you do you do you remember uh, Walu William Dunley out of Blackpool? He was known as the voice of Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. And Blackpool School. They used to call it Regiment College. I didn't go there myself. My brothers and sisters did. They used to call it Regiment College. There's a lovely story in it, Rocky, actually, of a guitar player who lost his place in the band to Rory Gallagher. Jimmy Flynn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And the band there, I know most of all the boys there. And would your family, Rose, have moved out of the city up to Spangle Hill? 
when we we um, we came from Blaze, we started off in Joy Griffin Street, and then we moved to Glenview Farm Fairs to spend And what was the we difference like for you as a child? It was fantastic in Spangahill. Fantastic. People say farmery today, and I still say Spangahill. Spangle Hill forever. That's what he says. Spangle Hill forever. Yes. Okay, listen, thanks so much for, for calling in. I appreciate it. I just want to have another quick chat here before I let Rocky go because I think Joan wants to jump in as well with regards to Josie Knowles. Joan. Hi, Nate. Who's Josie? My mom. I'll be darned. How is she? It says here, she said, it says here she is Josie Knowles. So she was, I suppose, isn't it? She was Josie Nolan. And when did she pass away? Uh, Nineteen eighty-two. Ah, she's gone a while then, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. yeah. Christmas Day. Yeah. yeah. And was she a, was she a real character? Oh, me wherever there is music, my mum and Lily Lux were there. Yeah. She, she loved. loved this. Yeah. She loved. She, and where would she go? And she's a lovely personality, and she'd help anyone. Me. Yeah. She's a great woman. And she was a shawl as well. And and did she she wear the shawl because it was a tradition to do so, or did she work down the coal case? She, she often was in the coal case uh, selling. And on a Saturday, we'd, I'd, I'd be linking her going in, and she, she'd talk to about 50 people, and I'd be trying to pull her arm to go, come on, we go home. <laughs> What would she talk about? Everything, everything, all their friends in there. She talking for us, oh my God, are you straight it? (laughs) But she was a fabulous woman, I have to say that. And Sonny Knowles was at the funeral. Uh, He did, he showed her, yeah, that's right. And did you move from a different part of the city up to Spangle Hill? Well, my mum came from um, Blarney Street originally. Her mother was a, a cook up in the army in Illinois. And we, I only always remember Banford having Spangle Hill. Mm. That's where we came from. And what did, did you, did you go, did you work in Sunbeam? I did, did I worked in the Sunbeam, yeah. Did you marry out of the Sunbeam? I met the nicest man you could ever meet, not from the Sunbeam name, no. Where was he, um, No Gorman's, the hat factory up in Shandon, or where was he? He was a, a labourer. Building the houses. Yeah, yeah. And he passed away two years ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. Nicest man you could ever meet. What was his name? What was your husband's name? You came up to our house with a toes and you were a chick, remember? Up in Fairhill. Oh, yeah, that's going back a bit. Remember? Remember I left here? I had to pay the lovely and clean. You had a beautiful home and the the ashtray was full of uh, butts. <laughs> That's right, you forgot to empty the ash. Not yeah. that it would, didn't bother me in the slightest. Good I God. Know that, I know that, I know that. So that would have been one of the houses that was built in the regeneration in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be oh, darned. Have you read the book, I wonder, Joan? I'm just going to ask Rocky here now, will he send me a book? I will, of course, love, no problem. my mum would do now, Neil. We'll have to send a book to the daughter of Josie Knowles, Rocky. Ah, we will. We, um, we, uh, I, 
There are some available in, in, in Bill Shop and Medi Shop in front of me. But I'll have, I'll have a delivery in a couple of days, girl, and I'll drop one over to you. Because oh, I'm, I'm only over near Eastfield. I'll drop one over to you. That's incredible. That's incredible. We're going to a topic Thank about you, one Nora. individual. Hold on there, Joe. Nora. Okay. Hello, Neil. How are you? You're living in the house that Josie Knowles lived in. Yeah, I no, am Connell. indeed. I am indeed, Neil. I'm here 33 years. And there's a tree down at the end of the garden that she had planted. And I will never touch that tree. Because I remember Josie Knowles when I was a little girl. Because I originally came from Fairfield Green. Okay? Mm-hmm. And her daughter, Cow Hogan. And I, when I got this house, I was a neighbour's child. I got their mum's house, you know what I mean? Yes. And they were, they were very good to me because I came in here as a lone parent with two children and I never looked back. Is that spa- Where was that? Blarney Street? No, no. Farnfordis Avenue. Oh, okay. I heard Joan talking there, her daughter, Joan and Christy. They lived here for a while after Josie had died and they moved on from here because there was an awful lot of work needed to be done to this house. But you knew Josie knows the Shawley then? I did. I knew her when I was a little girl. <laughs> and long ago now, you know, if the door opened in the sitting room, I used to always say, come on in, Josie, you're more than welcome. If the fire was lighting, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I, I never looked back since I moved to this house. I've I, great warmth. When I got the key for this house, it was a great warmth, you know? Yeah. A, yeah. a lovely feeling in the house. And I never looked back and I'm sitting in my back garden here now and I'm looking at our tree. I love our tree. And every year I get it trimmed down, but I never get rid of the tree. That's lovely. And people know that would know me. They obviously will know me when I'm speaking to you. They know Nora, but uh, I love. I love the hair and I love the area, but as I said, I originally came from Perfect Green, so I knew all the, I knew all the family. Like all right. at the house. All right. Well, I'm glad you're happy all these years later, oh, and you had a lovely, lovely very time. Happy nice Have one, Nora. Time. Take care, Nora. Take care, Joan. Rocky, how do, why don't we go out on an, your your beautiful piece on an ode to Spangle Hill? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Have you got it there? Oh. I have, yeah, no problem. Dig it out there. Um, and let me let me just say that Spangle Hill Forever is available at Spar Supermarket Closest no, it Road. Is, it is, there's a change of plan there. It's available at Bill's in Norfolk Avenue and McGee's Poppins Road. And it'll be in town next week. And it's also on Amazon. So when you say in town, that's Vibes and Scribes from it, Friday, it'll is be it? Vibes and Scribes, yeah. Okay, and also on Amazon.co.uk. If you want to get your hands on maybe three or four books, or I don't want to break the bank either. If you want to get me a few books, I'll give them away as well. How about that? No, no problem at all. Haven't seen you in a long time. How's COVID been for you? Oh, I'm great. I'm fine. I, I, I got a touch of it, but uh, it, it was mild. Yeah. No, no harm done to me. Yeah. Anyway, we came from the lanes with Black Pool and the Marsh, but a few sticks of furniture on an old horse and cart. Out to the country to wide open spaces, the children with curious looks on their faces. Badges and cabbage, tripe and rasheen, the pawn on the Monday and kitty deneens. Housey, housey, running the homes, platform dancing and lofting bowls. A game of skipping on pitch and toss, fishing with hornies on the rocks. Hula hoops and glassy alleys, slocking apples and playing chessies. Jocking the horses and spinning tops, a trip to the Lido if you're flush. Sunbeam girls all in blue, steering and boxcars too. First communions and confirmations, visiting all the rich relations. Bags of turf and ties for rags, a penny would buy you a match and a fag. 
hurling and football in the fair field, bird catching out in Nash's Boreen, the kindest of neighbours, the best of goodwill, and sweet memories of old Spangle Hill. You know something, that poem just sums up the entire book in fairness, doesn't it? It does, it does, yeah, it does. All right, my man, listen, great to catch up with you. Congratulations, bring it on, it's a super book. Well done for no, coming out with that no updated problem. version. Thanks Rocky for Stone, look after yourself. Cheers, pal. Cheers, bye-bye. Rocky Stone, a.k.a. David Martin McCarthy. Know him well, knew his mother before him. Lines are open at one 850 if you want to jump in on that. one 850 The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right, so again, that's Spangle Hill Forever by David Martin McCarthy. And as soon as I get, uh, he's going to give me three or four copies of the book, and hopefully that'll happen at some stage this week, then we'll give it away. Probably end up giving the books away maybe on, on Friday. Okay, so last bit of business this morning, one of the bits before I leave you. Today, the 19th of July, people are flying in and out of the country. People are going on their holidays and tourists are coming in. It's bizarre, actually. At the same time, Neffet and the government are saying, yes, you can do it, but please don't do it. <laughs> so today sees the ease of restrictions for international travel. Uh, Seamus has just back, sent back some photographs of the Palma flight at 10 past 11 taken off this morning. So for the first time in 16 months, Corconians are leaving Leaside to head to sunny climes. And look what they're leaving behind. Um, considering the great spell of weather, you'd be happy to stay here in Cork-Foo. Cork-Foo. Anyway, Seamus caught up with the travellers at Cork Airport this morning. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. We're going to London. We have family over there, so it's, it'll be good to, to meet up with them again. So it's a, it's a reunion now, plus, plus a holiday. Exactly. Just a few days. Yeah. My son, that's coming to see us when we're in France. He's living in Luxembourg. So um, I haven't seen him with a year and a half. So you must be uh, very emotional, so for you. Yeah, yeah. It's an exciting journey. You're flying out today? Yeah, yeah New York, yeah. New York, yeah. And you're looking forward to it? Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's good to feel like things are starting to open up again. And to be leaving with this. <laughs> I know, I know. We were hoping for a bit of rain this morning in Ireland so that we could feel a bit better. <laughs> but look, I'm glad for everybody here to have the sun too. It's, it's good for everybody to have a Well, you sun. can be guaranteed you'll have the rain when you come back anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I'm heading to Amsterdam, to the Netherlands. You're heading home, obviously, by that, by that accent. I am heading home. I'm not from Ireland originally. And have you been living here for a while? No, I actually came to do a bicycle race, an event. Um, the Transatlantic Way. Okay. We cycled from Derry all, along, all around the coastline to Cork. Beautiful. My legs are happy to be on the plane and just to be sitting for a while, yes. Can I ask you where you're heading to? Uh, New York. How did you how did you find touring Ireland in these uh, restricted times? Oh, actually, it was fine. Like we, the, we were so lucky. The weather was outstanding. We were looking at some investment property, right down in uh, Cary, and so uh, we got to stay down there in Cary for the week and check out the the property that we were after. So yeah, it was it was uh, the whole outdoor dining thing is fabulous. We're used to that in the U.S. anyway. But that's we, only if you have the weather, though. Well, I know, and we had the weather, so it was fantastic. <laughs> Liz, I said we were really lucky. Very lucky. You're heading on holidays today? No, I'm not. I'm going back to England. I only come home for the weekend to see my family, so... 
first time in a year and a half, so I'm only going back now. So, so how, how was it, uh, the reunion this weekend? Lovely. And I was grand when I arrived, but um, emotional now going back, but um, it was lovely. Really nice to see everybody again. So. Can I ask you where you're travelling to today? To Paris. Uh, is it on holiday, is it? Yeah, we came to Ireland for a week, and now we're going back. Okay. Yeah. And how did you find Ireland under the restrictions that are there at the moment? Fantastic, everything was normal. We did our PCR test after five days. It was all very streamlined and very yeah. well organized. It was perfect. Fantastic. It was very restricted. Yeah. They asked us to do a they PCR. And we have done one. Everything is okay. Yeah. But like you got the great weather for the outdoor di- outdoor well, we dining. The weather. <laughs> we got perfect weather. Absolutely amazing. It's like how you want Ireland always to be. Do you <laughs> know what? I hope you're not taking it back with you. Well, we hope so too. We'll leave it for a few days more. <laughs> Pack a small bag. And don't tell your mama is another version of those. The great blue eyes. Come fly with me. And just before I pack up and fly away, just one or two things before I go. Just let me clear up a little bit of confusion. There was somebody suggesting other songs earlier on, and I thought there was suggesting a song by the band Heatwave, who were a disco outfit back in the 70s and early 80s. It was the other way around. Actually, the band are called Fire and Water. Cork band and the song is called Heatwave. So I put the cart before the horse. Happy to grab it. In fact, I've played Fire and Water on the air in the past and I'm going to track down the song again and give it a spin over the next day or two. So happy to do that and clear it up. Also, please, please ask Neil Willie play a very special request for my sister Tracy Ryan, who's 50 today. Our mum, Maureen McCarthy, sadly passed away in January and it might cheer her up to hear Neil saying happy birthday to her from her sister Rosari. So a very special happy birthday to the great Tracy Ryan. Everybody's thinking about you. Have a great day today. Happy birthday, Tracy. Our lines will stay open at one 104 106 You can text 868 106 Enjoy the day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.